Hello and welcome to the Minimax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Waving Kyle Hilliard. Hi. Jeff Marchiafava. Hey! And Leo Vader. Hey, thanks for giving me the most excitement. <laughs> it's always <laughs> exciting. I have waves of realization. of like, oh, we're so fortunate to have you, Leo. Thank you for being here, sir. God bless you. Uh, we have a lot to cover on this episode of the Minimax Show podcast. We're talking about the big Xbox Games Showcase that... Uh, you all streamed reactions to last week, so we'll be unpacking everything there. Yeah, we were working, Hanson. That's right. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, I, was... I learned. Uh, I've since learned that my opinion about Halo Infinite is wrong, which oh, is uh, we can get into that's that. That's good. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to yeah talking all about it. Looking forward to your apology, Kyle, uh, <laughs> for being excited for that. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Nintendo's Giga Leak, as it's been called. A lot of interesting Nintendo development insight. Uh, in some shady parts of the internet. A couple odd games here and there. Round Guard, The Messenger, Jeffum demands to speak about. So we'll talk about that. And then, of course, back after the show is Community Questions. Leo Vader, at the time of this recording, mm. you just released to Patreon supporters an early access version of your first video essay. That's right. How does it feel so far? It feels great. Reaction's been very positive. It's, I'm, I feel like the, the point of it has been well made, you know? It's like a good pilot for how weird and fun that show is going to be. Yeah, and the show is called... Watch Later with Watch. Leo Vader. There we go. Excellent. Nice. And so these video essays are going to be up on Mimax's YouTube channel every other Friday moving into the future. Um, but then if you're a $5 supporter on Patreon, you get uh, early access, a couple days early. Sneak peek at this thing. Would you ever, Leo, treat it like an actual early access? Would you ever like make tweaks on the video if everybody who got that early access was like, boo, F you, you <laughs> hack? Yes. <laughs> if there was some big factual inaccuracy, I would love to have that get caught in early access. And then it's even more exclusive. That's true. That's true. Um, but then you also had your first episode of The Great Goaty Hunt, which you're hosting, uh, covering Red Dead Online's new naturalism update. Is that what it's called? Yeah, The Naturalist is and, the new role. And what does that role entail from what you can tell so far? Studying and hunting animals. It's a lot of porting com content over from single player that people have wanted for a long time. So like legendary animals, placing a camp anywhere little quality of life things that kind of like add more layers of stuff to do in the world but i haven't been able to get that far in it because it's so slow to level up it's like you have to go to different regions and fill out a field compendium by looking at animals and studying them by tracking them by taking a picture of them by shooting sedated sed sedative bullets at them and taking their blood and by killing and skinning them and only once you've done all of those things do you fill out their entry in the compendium so it is a lot of new checklisty content you can get up to. It's a lot, but it seems like a smart class to add to Reddit Online. It seems like there's a lot of people out there that just are looking for a nice nature simulator. Definitely. Like, that. I, that's my most compelling role so far, I think, because before they added roles at all, that's just what I did, was walked around and hunted and observed the wildlife and tried to, like, min-max. Wow, that's fun. One end. Wow. The best <laughs> Just one end, to, though, right? I mean, just to yeah, be clear. right. Okay. Get the most money from hunting that way. And so it's like a new way to engage with what is a really impressive wildlife simulator. Yeah. Now, Jeff had to sit there and watch Red Dead being played for an hour. Did it light any fires in your belly? <laughs> yeah. I I still want to go back to it, but uh, I still want to go back to Ghost of Tsushima first. Uh-huh. And 
like 10 other games. Okay. But I'll get there. Hey, Leo. I'll this, get there. This is the part of the show where everybody yells at Jeff on because it's very clear that he will never get there and he will know. Yeah, you know what? I got an hour show. of that yesterday, Hanson, <laughs> so I think we're good on that. Oh, okay. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. This is all news to me, man. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Let's talk about uh, some Xbox games, everybody. Uh, they had their big showcase showing off what's possible in the Series X and also kind of possible in the Xbox One. A bit of a muddled message out of the gate, but um, it was very fun because I was on a plane when that... Uh, was happening and it was really fun because i was like thousands of feet in the sky moving faster than i could walk or run but it felt comfortable it was just <laughs> insane no it was really fun because i got to watch that completely divorced from all reactions you know i just got to sit down once i landed i you know landed at my girlfriend's parents house i'm like i'm gonna go in the basement for an hour and watch this xbox stream they're all very nice um and just watched it divorced from twitter free from reactions, expectations, and then it's not until after you go online, just, you know, look through the people, and it's like, oh, people are really angry about that Halo thing? Okay, what else is, is popping? But what was your reaction watching it live? Well, I mean, we're, not to diminish your point, but I mean, we're just streaming it. We're not looking at Twitter while we're yeah. streaming it. No, you know? I know. Okay, well, then what did you well, think of it? Well, chat is kind of live Twitter. Chat's reaction oh, I, to things. I guess. I just, yeah, I don't look at that. But I mean, I, I was like generally positive, very excited about Fable. That was like the big, the big one to me. But like, it's hard. You can't beat that PlayStation 5 stream, I kind of feel like. You think like, so? they, they certainly wasn't as good as that. But I mean, I was, I was excited about Fable. And I, I was, re- I thought Halo Infinite looked cool. Like, I, I was into that demo. Like, I, I know there was this sort of backlash after the fact. Yeah. But, like, everything I saw about it, I was like, yeah, I want to play that. Sure. You know? Yeah. I think my general takeaway was pretty good show overall. You know, if it was their E3 show, it's like, okay, that'd be fine. I think it's just a notch below PlayStations, but not that far. Like, there's enough there. Those, like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I thought Everwild looked really, really cool. I don't think I was yeah. expecting to be so into that. The, the new Rare game that it almost feels like a, you know, a bit of a Red Dead Online update, right? Where it's just a lot about uh, interacting with nature, going around taking or interacting with these gigantic kind of Princess Mononoke esque beasts. That's it's a cool idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess the the thing about that though is like. It, like a, there was very little that was brand new because like Everwild we we'd seen before like I think right. I could be wrong but was Fable the only like genuinely brand new no, State of Decay three yeah State of Decay three yeah. yeah that one was a big surprise that one was that really I, even before the stream I was like well they're not going to announce that <laughs> like yeah. specifically yeah <laughs> there's also Obsidian's Avowed the new RPG and then there's you okay, know yeah. smaller stuff too you know like even oh Tetris Effect connected like the new multiplayer kind of new version of Tetris Effect is in there or the gunk from the SteamWorld uh, creators which I think looks really cool okay yeah you're right there, there was more new stuff I'm, t- I'm totally wrong <laughs> just look I just really honed in on Fable okay <laughs> I got it I got it well let's let's unpack that Fable thing a little bit uh, yeah you know I don't know if anybody has done it again being disconnected from Twitter for a while has anybody like when the frog eats the fairy kicked in uh, All Star like it feels like a very Shrek opening, which I understand <laughs> is that confusing tone mm-hmm. of Fable I in can general. See that. Yeah. But what stood out to you about that Fable presentation? Just the fact that they're making it, the fact that they're making it, and they are approaching it with a sense of humor. I don't know if it will be funny. I don't think that was a gag that really tickled my funny bone in any significant way. But <laughs> right. the fact that they are, I feel like that is at least a statement of like there will be jokes which I think is important to Fable. Like, Fable is kind of, like, silly and weird. Yeah. And I, and I hope that getting away from 
the original developer, like they're still able to embrace that like sort of strange, almost like Monty Python-y sort of British sense of humor, you know, at times. And I think it helps a lot that it's still a British developer, Playground Games, who yes. made Forza Horizon series, which I love that series. I think they're surprisingly well-equipped to try and make an open-worldish RPG, if that's, in fact, what this ends up being. I mean, it's been leaked for at least a year, rumored for at least a year, to the point that it's not that big of a surprise, just the idea of, bam, Fable on the screen. But do you take it to be titled just Fable? Do you think it's going to be the full reboot? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't need it to be Fable 4, necessarily, even. It's not like there was some story that needs to be continued after 3 or anything. Fable. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it'll just be Fable. I don't think it'll even have a subtitle or anything. And that's cool. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what stood out to you about the stream? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess just touching on Fable real quick, it, like, Fable and State of Decay 3 were both ones where what they showed didn't really do anything for me because there's nothing really to glean from them, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just... Hello, zombie deer. Hello. I guess zombie so, deer yeah. says, hello, hello. Don't open the door. Do not open that door. <laughs> zombie deer yeah. here. It's, it's no zombear, though. I think that... That's that the day is gone. Something. They already conquered that. But what about yep. angry herbivores? There's a new angle for Microsoft. Yeah, is is that dangerous, I guess? Oh, do you see that deer? You want to touch do that I, thing? But do I care if a deer gets... Man, it's not... Is a deer actually going to try and eat you now? Are you Does nuts? You the trailer? It will like, disembowel you. The entire point is just a snippet from the story. And when you see that cutscene in game, the deer will just go right back to eating and not look at you anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's just pissed that you're there at that point. Oh, I see. It's a very territorial yes. herbivore yeah. deer. Yeah. Right. He's going to pee on a tree after screaming at you and then just kind of prance off. Perfect. But anyway, though, I mean, though, you know, both of those, they don't tell you anything about the game. I, I guess you could put avowed in that camp too but it's it's just more of the you know the excitement that these new entries are coming and kind of the hope that we're putting into them that they're going to be these bigger things especially for me with state of decay 3 which you know leo has said that state of decay 2 has actually gotten better since it released It, it had a very rocky release but the but for State of Decay 2, I was always disappointed that because the whole time I was thinking, oh, man, you know, Microsoft knows what it has now. It's going to put all these resources into it yeah. and, like, really blow this idea out and not so much. But Well, they you blew know, it. I guess, yeah. Uh, but now I'm transferring that hope into State of Decay 3 where it's like, come on. You, you got to realize at the at this point, you know, what a hit this could be in and how cool you can you can keep you can take those systems to the next level and keep you know really blow up the simulation yeah it's tough because i mean they were talking since that first day of decay about how they wanted to make the zombie mmo and i don't know if i really want them to do it like if you look on paper state of decay 2 seems pretty good right just up the systems bigger world stuff like that multiple areas and then playing it just didn't really click with me. Maybe it's a little bit janky at, at launch. And also just, it didn't have a very good on-ramp. You know, State of K1 also didn't have the best on-ramp. But for a, a game that I was ready to love, I was still getting into State of K2. Like, where am I supposed to go? What What's the loop here? How does this whole thing work? And I don't know if that's just another year of development on UI or what that means, Leo. But what was your experience with State of K, Leo? 
Uh, yeah, I played it at launch and fell right off of it. I think it doesn't do a good job of telling you what's cool about it right away. Yeah. Like the kind of prolonged tutorial that seems very linear, even though you play alongside someone else and you find out like, oh, these characters I interacted with, they're generated and they have their own traits. And so now that they're in my bigger clan, they're acting differently than your tutorial characters were, which is cool, but you just have no idea when you're playing it. But a few months ago, I got into it deep just out of Watch Dogs Legion hype. Just oh, wanting to wow. find another systems game where it's generated characters that each play uniquely. And once you put a good few hours into State of Decay 2, like, it gets really strong. The way that you can be prestiging your skills, like you max out your cardio and then you can choose if you want to have faster sprint speed or like a higher carrier capacity. And you can really like point these people towards specific builds and obviously the emergent stories that come out of the way that game is built. I think it's a lot more special than I gave it credit for and definitely better than the first one. Yeah. I mean, looking at everything in the stream, let me run down this list. Personally, I might be the most excited about State of Decay 3. Like, I'm yeah. looking forward to Halo Infinite, but in terms of a game, I think it can really capture my imagination. It's like, oh, if they get it right, uh, yeah. I think that one could be a big hit for them once it's finally revealed. But just kind of, yes, I think some of these were checking it off the list, Jeff, I'm to your point about, okay, quick introductory trailers to get you the vague idea of what we're working on and then moving on. Yeah, and and Avowed is, the, is another one in that camp where it's just like, I just want... And and everyone pointed it out right away of of like oh you know Obsidian did Fallout better than Bethesda does and yeah. now they're trying to do you know Elder Scrolls that way and and that's kind of just all that I want at this point like like Bethesda has had has kind of had that niche for what they're doing for so long but they've never really fixed the problems that those games have always had that I just want someone else to try and do that formula. But had but not have the baggage that you know Bethesda can't seem to shed with those games. Right, and other studios have tried. What was that? Kingdom Come Deliverance. Is that yeah, I mean called? that you know that didn't have any of the like actual fantasy elements yes. or like magic or anything like that. But yeah, and and f- for all the problems that Kingdom Come Deliverance had, like it was interesting, and I'm not you know sad that I played that. Yeah, I think that was maybe the biggest surprise overall from the stream was Avowed. Like, they had DLC for Outer Worlds, which is cool. Um, I don't think it's going to set the world on fire, but then the fact that while they're still releasing updates to Outer Worlds, they're ready to announce the next big thing. It was an interesting pitch from, like, Matt Booty, the head of studios over there at Xbox, who explained that, hey, this is the game that Obsidian said they wanted to make, and it's their big swing, so we're letting them do it, which is great. And it's easy to just pigeonhole it as, okay, it's going to be Microsoft's Elder Scrolls. But I think it's really cool. And it's fascinating to think that it's set in uh, Eora, like the world from Pillars of Eternity. And it was like this... Oh, I missed that. That is cool. Yeah, but it's such an interesting bit of messaging because they didn't want to say, hey, it's in the world of Pillars of Eternity because they didn't want to turn anybody off by maybe connecting it to this franchise that not a lot of Xbox players have played before. So, like, their subtle nod nod is to just say the name of the world to, like, just ride that line of, like, fans will know, but no one will be turned off. It's perfect. Smart. Yeah. But it's... I mean, I think one of the big surprises about that is just the fact that it's not uh, Outer Worlds 2. Like I, when they said our next big RPG, I was taking notes. I wrote down the Outer Worlds too, getting ready to <laughs> really? write about it. Oh wow! Yeah, and then and and crossed it off once I saw like an arrow flying through the air. So like, and that's <laughs> not to say that Outer Worlds two 
isn't happening somewhere in that of studio. Of but yeah. It's, yeah, but it's surprising that, like, this is the next big step. I think it's cool. Like, I'd rather have it than Outer Worlds 2. Yeah, personally. Outer Worlds wasn't that long ago, really. We just did a deepest dive on it right when it released, so it's as old as MinMax is, you know? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also interested with that one, though, to see what the scale is, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I think when, when they first announced Outer Wilds, everyone was like, oh, my God, you know, this is a Fallout game, and they were very specific with their messaging of saying, no, this is a smaller, more kind of self-contained and and condensed thing just because of, you know, the people that they could commit to it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if we we're going to see the same kind of thing here or if they do want this to be, you know, massive, giant, open-world fantasy thing. They should, even if it's a smaller open world, I think people will be hungry for that. I mean, I don't think yeah. they want to do the, the limited scope thing again. And now that they have the Microsoft budget to help them out, uh, looking into it a little bit more, though, first of all, Avowed, where do we stand on the name? Should have called it the Outer Winolds or something. Yeah, that's a <laughs> Someone much better Someone in chat idea. pointed out that it, they should have called it Arrowed. Because he had an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of arrows in that trailer. Yeah, it's one of those names that I saw and I was like, yeah, sure, I like a good, simple name. And then yeah. I kept forgetting the name the rest of the week when I was trying to think back. And I'm like, what was that called? A- A- Awoken? What the hell was that thing? Um, but it turns out that Josh Sawyer, who kind of got the Pillars of Eternity ball rolling over there at Obsidian, it turns out he's not working on it. He tweeted that it wasn't his project, which is surprising but there's still plenty of other talent there at obsidian to pick it up um and i just looked at the pillars of eternity subreddit to try to get a sense of what they think of it they're all really excited and it seems like it's hinting for it being a prequel that takes place a long time before pillars of eternity uh one and two over there um but it made me think about how wild it is that now microsoft has this big franchise franchise in theory, with Avowed, that's based on the crowdfunding success of Pillars of Eternity over there on Kickstarter. Because then you think about, like, well, wait, of all the Microsoft franchises now, so many of them had their roots in crowdfunding. Like, Hellblade, huge franchise, crowdfunded. Psychonauts 2, even, like, Wasteland, not the biggest franchise, but still a Microsoft franchise now, also got its roots in crowdfunding. It kind of goes to show, I think, kind of the grassroots approach to Microsoft in this era trying to give fans what they want by giving them sequels to projects that were you know had a bunch of fans on the end of the rope being like we'll just give you money please make this thing state of decay even started as a kickstarter the first one did it really yeah oh my god i completely forgot about that yeah also fun fact uh halo infinite and they're gonna start up a kickstarter to (laughs) boost up those graphics um okay should we unpack this thing halo infinite yeah, Kyle, you are you're very pro, but does the pro yeah. get more detailed than just it looks like Halo One? Therefore, you, you got a smile on your face. I mean, it's not much deeper than that. I like <laughs> to be honest. Is. Like I, 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 so, there are elements that people like I see on Twitter and stuff like site as like ah, I don't like this, I don't want that. That I'm like, I'm totally for that. Like open world, for example. Like mm-hmm. I saw some people tweeting like, man, the second they hit pause and open that map, I was turned off. And I was like, I had the opposite reaction. I like the idea of being able to drive a warthog around a big open world. And then I also like the uh, the the hook shot, the grappling hook thing. I think that's cool. Like yeah. in terms of navigation and enemies and stuff like that. But I mean, a large part of it was just like seeing the halo in the distance and the idea of maybe the full game taking place on that one halo is really exciting to me and like being able to actively explore it in real time those elements seem really exciting to me those do seem exciting however maybe i'm missing it but i guess 343 did like a follow-up kind of panel discussion where they shed some more light still did not use the word open world 
they say that, oh, the world of this game is bigger than four and five combined. But you think if it's open world, they would just say it. So the fact that they're dancing around that is confusing. Maybe they don't want to turn off Halo fans by saying open world, but it's weird when it's like, just tell me yeah. what this thing is. Is it open world or not? And the fact that they're not putting a label on it is odd. I mean, or, my you know, guess... I was just going to say quickly, Jeff, my guess is not open world, but non-linear large levels. Yeah. Is what I think. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. I, I was thinking, op- you know, like big open zones, but just not necessarily you can go to any of them. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Dragon not, Age Inquisition style or something. Yeah. But I'm kind of with Kyle, like the fun th- idea of having an open world in Halo is that it's a open world that's shaped unlike any other open world in a video game like it'd be really cool to literally be able just to look up at the ring and say i'm going there or like oh that's where that Mm -hmm. other level was and i'm sure there's still gonna be some of that but it's weird if they weren't able to pull off the full open world or maybe it's just not what they want for the design i don't know that's kind of what i was hoping for even though that i'm sure that would just that's a ridiculous you know wish of what you want from a game because one of those rings is still as big as like a a world i mean like the sheer amount of land mass that would be in a ring-sized ring world is totally undoable you'd be driving a warthog for like an hour and you're very long time okay (laughs) maybe i don't want this (laughs) you could just make this ring really skinny though so you could kind of level it out so it would be an okay size for oh, the overall world. Okay. I, I hope, we're, however big it ends up being, I hope you can just get to the edge of the ring world and then see what the hell happens there. Ooh, is there a wall? Kyle, you're a lore nut. What's going on over there? Am I? <laughs> Are you confusing me with Wade Wojcik again? <laughs> oh, you're not Wade Wojcik? What the hell? No. <laughs> Uh, I think it'll be Mario Galaxy style. You just go, you just keep going around, you know. <laughs> oh, so it's loop. a don't. No, that's a donut world. Yes, donut world. Like yes, it's a Yoshi's Island reference. Uh, I was fine with the gameplay. I love Halo One by far the most out of any of the Halo games. So it's fun to see them embrace that a little bit more. It certainly felt like the demo was positioned like it had a lot of badass moments and badass gameplay. Except it didn't seem that badass. Like It seemed just a little bit slow. I know people are complaining about the graphics. They seemed like it could have been an Xbox One game. It is an Xbox One game as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is just a weird thing to have all these like moments in the combat framed as if it's like, oh, the big God of War, crazy kill. Look how awesome this is. And it's like, yeah, it looks just like a kill. All right. He does like the grappling hook, pulls the guy in and kills him. Like That seems fine. That is, that is true. <laughs> but, the, but the thing that... I also enjoyed about the original Halo and the thing that blew my mind was that it was all kind of tactical and it it wasn't just like scripted, you know, here's a big boss battle, you know exactly what his moves are going to be. Like you had to actually think on the battlefield and think on the fly in terms of like grabbing other weapons and how you move around and stuff like that. And so that I can understand that that's not a, a super cool demo perhaps and and i can also understand it seems like a lot of a lot of people just aren't into the halo franchise and this isn't going to change any of their minds and i can i can totally understand someone like that seeing it and saying oh that doesn't look that cool but if if that's what drew you to the franchise to begin with and that's more of what you want then it was exciting for us i think and especially when the pitch can be hey if you're on pc or you have an Xbox One or an Xbox Series X, basically anybody who's nostalgic about Halo in any way, this might appeal to you, and you can get in for 
$1 with that first month of Xbox Game Pass. I mean, that's a pretty mm-hmm. compelling sell to just try and hit any ounce of nostalgia across the sphere. It's like, oh, you can stream it anywhere with xCloud as well. Yeah, it, yeah. It, that's part of kind of the feeling of almost devaluation of the Halo franchise for what, you know, used to be such a a trendsetter landmark releases and stuff. It's like it kind of needed to come back in a big way. And now it feels like, yeah, this is just a part of Microsoft's vast lineup, not their like number one thing or anything. Yeah. I, you know, I listened to this other podcast. I think on 8.4, they were parroting some tweet that I, they saw. So it's secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand. But they said, oh, it's interesting that with this game showcase, it's emphasizing that the Xbox Series X's killer app instead of Halo is Game Pass. You know, yeah. mm. positioning the yeah. concept of Game Pass as this is the new killer app. This is the reason you want this console because you can play all these games. But then if you also have xCloud, you could play them with higher fidelity in a number of places. So it gets complicated. Um, oh, they also said um, in one of those follow-up interviews that it will be an updating world. So they said, uh, so we look at Halo Infinite as a platform that will grow over time and it will continue bringing new stories into it. Uh, but they also said that this is like a self-contained story as well. So it's not quite the full Destiny experience that some people were maybe expecting, but at the same time, they're going to be updating it. And, you know, they've been dabbling with that over there at 343 for a while. Even you remember like Halo 4 had those uh, like co-op story missions that they were dropping over time where it's like, hey, we have seasons of these little little story vignettes that I don't know how much the Halo fans got into that, but it was an interesting idea for sure. You um, know, one other thing that on the topic of the story yeah that actually kind of another thing that sort of excited me and I don't know if this is what the story is going to be but I get the sense that like it's a story about this guy who really wants to go home but Master Chief is just like pulling him along like hey we got to do this thing first and I like the idea of like you're what I'm assuming will be the character that you're interacting with the most in the game does not treat Master Chief like this like heroic like legendary soldier because that's what Halo has always been it's like right. the, the elite are scared of him and call him the demon and everyone who meets him is like oh my gosh Master Chief is here hooray this is the best I like the idea of a character being like can we just like stop getting into danger here and like go home I'd like to go home and I like I like someone like you know getting mad at Master Chief is just such a weird novel idea that's what players want in their power fantasy as Master Chief is to have some guy be like you suck don't I'm kind of into it you know like like just someone to just like bring him down a peg you know yeah then by the end yeah he takes off his helmet it's just a big old frown on his face you treated me real rough out there the entire mission dude I saved your life (laughs) countless times (laughs) Um, also are like is are we all assuming that the game's going to have co-op? Yeah, it like, has story to. Man. And stuff? Oh wait, yeah. I mean, like Halo Five, I feel like was not the success it should have been because it lacked local co-op. And I think yeah. maybe that's one of the reasons the game doesn't look as good as everyone wants is because with Halo Five they chose at graphical fidelity and lost co-op and people were upset. So I think this time they're going to choose co-op and lose, gra- lose graphical fidelity. And in the long run, I think people will appreciate it, even though they're kind of mad about it right now. Why wouldn't they have led with that though? Yeah, to get that's true. Excited. That's a good point. I'll be surprised if it's not. Just because Halo Five, I feel like people were really frustrated by that. You know. Yeah, at least it, especially a- especially as they're going more open world, it seems like that you know formula only sh- shines all the more to be yeah. able to run around with your friends and do different different things and stuff right and correct me if i'm wrong kyle they've never had a lore explanation for co-op in 
Halo, right? So uh, just well, J- Halo 1, they didn't. There was just another Master Chief there. Yeah. And uh, no one cared, and it's fine. <laughs> they could do that again. It's fine. But into Halo 2 and 3 and Reach, they, they did have, like, you were, well, actually, no, Halo 2 didn't. 3, you were playing as the Arbiter. Oh, that's so 3 right. was okay. the first time that it actually had real context. But yeah, Halo 1 and 2, like, they just, there was another Arbiter, there was another Master Chief. It was fine. It was totally fine. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, it's still okay. fine in 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it seems like the lore it's set after Halo 5 for Halo Infinite. Do you care much about, you know, the the Banished and the, and the setup here, Kyle? Uh, no. I didn't finish okay. 5, which I think is pretty telling about the, how I felt about 5 in general. So, I mean, if this kind of represents a little bit of a reset of, like, this is a new faction of Covenant, like, that's, that's fine for me. Yeah. yeah. Did you see... There was an interesting tweet that had a comparison of the Halo 4 design for Master Chief's armor versus the Halo Infinite. Just, I think I did see that. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those small things yeah. where it's like, okay, it seems about right. But if you really stop and think about it, it really caught my imagination, that idea of just how far design has come in these eight years. You know, it's like back in 2012 with Halo 4, they're going for more of that grounded, dark, kind of gritty, a little more of a Zack Snyder edge to it. And then I love that, like, the design for the armor this time around is just cleaner, simpler, boiling it down, not trying to be gritty, not trying to be cool. It's just, let's just present this iconic thing in the most iconic form we can. That's a, that's a nice... I'm glad that we've got there, you know? Uh, let's see. Other stuff. They showed Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which is interesting. One of the games where they really tried to push the technical gravitas of the Xbox Series X, which was funny because after the Halo Infinite one, where they're like... Halo Infinite's coming at you at a blistering, rock-solid 60 frames per second. And then the Ori team gets up there and they're like, 60 frames per second can eat my butt. 120 <laughs> frames is the only way to play games in the future. So it's weird messaging overall, but still cool to see uh, the team getting out there and showing off Ori running at 120 for the Series X. Uh, anything else stand out to anybody about the entire stream that we haven't hit yet? Well, they separated Hello Neighbor 2 and... Balan Wonderland. Did you see that one? Balan Wonder World. Balan Wonder World. Excuse yeah. me. Not, yeah, this isn't a Game Boy game. Excuse me. Um, which I'm assuming those just got separated because they they would have included them, but they, they're they not going to be Game Pass games. And I think they wanted to say everything here is going to be a Game Pass game. Sure. Or it's going to be console launch exclusive, which is, yeah, yeah a lot of these games. Yeah, although, up. although the one thing that they did, there was a fine print on, is that the Outer Worlds DLC is only 10% off if you have Game Pass. Oh, oh So that is still for purchase. Yeah, gotcha. okay. Uh, but yeah, that Balan Wonderworld is interesting. So it's Yuji Naka, the creator of Sonic, um, reunited with his old art director as well. It, 3D platformer, you're equipping different suits in a very Crash 4-esque way, um, just for another 3D platformer in 2020, because it's the year to do it, I guess. Um, it looks good. Like it looks, it looks solid. It looks like Nights into Dreams. Like it yeah. almost looks like a successor to that. Those human characters, like if you just look at their silhouettes, they're all like very Sonic-y. Like the main character looks like Sonic silhouette. The one looks like Amy Rose. It's bizarre, but I guess that yeah. that design works. It's been time tested. Um, let's see other stuff that stood out to me is I like that um, even though Microsoft purchased a lot of these indie studios that they're still letting their personalities shine through. Like, I really like that the Hellblade team, the Ninja Theory team, get up there and they're like, hey, you can learn more about 
the development of Hellblade 2 by checking out our dev diaries on Ninja Theory's YouTube. Like, it's not on Xbox's YouTube, it's still a separate thing. And it was just a really nice little nostalgic touch for me, as somebody who watched all those dev diaries, that even in this big showcase, they had, like, the old music from, like, the earliest dev diaries for Hellblade playing underneath them. It's just, like, a nice little touch, you know? Or the, the Double Fine stuff with Psychonauts 2, the fact that they showed footage from the two-player production's documentary that they're supposedly filming for Psychonauts 2 showing Jack Black in the studio and stuff like that. Like, it was a, it was a nice reminder that Microsoft seems to be backing off and letting these studios retain their kind of indie, freaky personality out there. Yeah, that Double Fine uh, Psychonauts 2 trailer was a highlight for me. I was going to bring that up. I love that trailer. Yeah. I think I was expecting more from the song. I was waiting for it to really kick in. It's like, okay, it's just kind of like soft 70s psychedelic thing. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, that's cool. Uh, Fine. So, let's see. Stuff they didn't show. Uh, they said that they were showing off stuff from studios, nine of the 15 game studios. Uh, so, stuff that was missing, uh, if you really want to round it up, Coalition, but obviously Gears 5 wasn't that long ago. They're still working on that. Uh, Compulsion Games uh, is probably still in development on whatever their next project is. Um, What's, my- who's Compulsion? What else have they done? Well, who can forget? They made Contrast, and then they made... Um, I want to we say... We Happy ha- Few? Yes, thank you. Okay. God, I want to call it Hello Neighbor. Yes, We Happy Few. Um, the Initiative, which is the new Santa Monica team, that rumors are bubbling that they're working on Perfect Dark, but don't get your hopes up. You never know. Um, World's Edge, the Age of Empires team, nothing from them, which is very disappointing. Um, and In Exile, who has Wasteland 3 coming up around the corner, also didn't show anything, but they showed a lot. So they have that Perfect Dark slam dunk or whatever the initiative is working on for maybe next year's showing something like that you're so sure it's perfect dark <laughs> i'm not sure i think no i think the internet is locking in that it is and i still think it's probably 70 yeah. percent chance Which, i mean to be clear i think that's a really good bet but it is i feel like we're at a point now on the internet where we're like and you know then perfect dark will come it's like well right yes exactly hey we should uh we should find out the value of different Microsoft franchises, Kyle. Thanks to okay. the MinMax community. Uh, because in the oh. Discord, we had a poll. We're like, hey, let's round up all of Microsoft's currently owned franchises. People were very confused about this. But stuff that is relevant moving into the future that Microsoft owns, let's figure out what is the community's favorite franchises. So put together a big list. The wonderful mods in the Discord put it together. Uh, people submitted their votes. And so we're going to read off the community's top 10 list for Microsoft franchises. Okay, you ready? I am so ready. I'm very curious how this goes. Number 10, Forza Motorsport. Oh. Okay. On okay. the list. Yeah. Forza yeah, Motorsport. I, can... it, I mean, it ultimately is a much bigger franchise for them, but I, but I can totally understand for the community in terms of excitement for it, you know, right. or, you know, like how much... How much mind space they're giving it, I can I can understand that coming in at ten. Which was interesting that they said that Turn Ten was just starting development on this game overall on the next Forza. Because I mean, it's been a while since the last Forza. You would think that they'd be further along. Maybe they're just trying to slow expectations a little bit so people weren't expecting it at launch. Because I think I assumed it was coming at launch at first. Uh, okay, anyways, yeah, Forza, yeah, number ten. Number nine, uh, I'm surprised it isn't higher, honestly. Minecraft. Really? Yeah. Mm. Is it I that? I think it's just this, like, it's, it's just ubiquitous at this point. I don't think people really think of it as, like, something to be excited about. 
Maybe it's just like Minecraft exists and it will always exist. <laughs> I and know. I wonder if it's one of those things too where it still feels weird calling it a Microsoft franchise. You don't connect it yeah. with the history of Xbox in a way. Maybe. Yeah. But, it, but also I think it's just the core Minecraft franchise hasn't changed that much over the past couple of years. And then we, we got Minecraft Dungeons, which by all accounts is a good, you know, kind of family weight dungeon crawler, but yeah. probably not, a, you know, another court i you know if they if they announced minecraft 2 tomorrow with mind-blowing graphics or something then maybe it would have gone higher on the list or something yeah the super duper textures in there okay yeah, minecraft love it oh. number eight the outer worlds okay also expected that, that to be I, higher it seemed like that it was such a crap to be higher. Yeah. yeah yeah uh number seven banjo kazooie which okay. I, I feel like heading into the show was the big one that everyone was like this is it if we're going to get something Banjo-Kazooie. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Banjo 3E or what, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just a tough thing. I'm sure they would be up for doing something with it, but who's the studio? You know, if Rare has its hands full of still updating Sea of Thieves in some way and then Everwild, who yeah. is... What are the Super do, Lucky's Tale people doing? They're actually... I mean, they would be a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Banging on the door at uh, the Redmond office demanding, please give us Banjo-Kazooie. Totally. Yeah, I it's um I wish I almost wish it was like like almost got treated the way Ratchet and Clank does with Insomniac. Yeah. Where it's like there's always a banjo kazooie that they're working on that will they'll they'll release at some point, but it's like, you know, then they've got the other bigger Spider Man projects that they're that they're putting more of their sort of muscle behind. Yeah. You know? Oh, imagine if Insomniac, instead of making Sunset Overdrive when they partnered with Microsoft at the last generation, if they made the new Banjo kazooie. Wouldn't that have been interesting? That could have happened. Yeah. 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 It's not impossible. Man, that would have been weird, but it would also, it would have kind of fit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, number six, Hellblade. Okay. Above yeah. Banjo-Kazooie. Like it's, hey. And Outer Worlds and Minecraft. <laughs> Modern gaming. There's a lot of love for Hellblade. I get it. I mean, yeah, yeah, I love Hellblade. It would probably, it would be high on my personal list for sure. But I'm just surprised to see it on the community list, but also happy to see it high yeah. on the community list. Uh, number five, Forza Horizon. Correct. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. The, the fun I one. See. Yeah, the fun yeah. one. I mean, what... Do you think... I mean, Horizon outsells motorsport at this point, right? Do you think? <sighs> I don't know if that's true. Let's see. Have they I been very yeah, public I don't know. I mean, sales? I don't know if there's a great way to tell because it's one of those things that it's like people who really like Forza Motorsport are kind of like people who maybe aren't as dug into like uh, the sort of the game industry and they buy like some sports games but they always buy the new Forza Motorsport where Forza Horizon is more for people who are like closer to the game industry who are buying you know the the weird obscure indie games and stuff like that you know they also like Forza Horizon because it's a little weird you know yeah I don't know uh, let's see okay we can figure it out here uh, so best selling Xbox One games of all time Oh, interesting. So this is probably a little bit old on Wikipedia here, but Forza Horizon 3 is in the lead with 2.5 million, then Forza Motorsport 5 with 2 million, and then Forza 6 with 1 million below that. So I'm curious okay. how 4 stacked up and all that stuff, but all right. Interesting. So yeah, maybe Horizon yeah. is more popular. Yeah. Uh, number 4, Ori. And uh, which I feel like that I need to say more of that. If that makes sense. Every time I say Ori, I feel like I'm supposed to say like and the Will the Wisps or something. Like like Ori by itself, a single word, doesn't feel like the name of that franchise. Well, it's yeah. Ori and the is the name of the franchise. Yeah. I'll I think that's, that's the way it works. Thank you, <laughs> Although, I mean, 
I don't think Microsoft owns that. I think Moon Studio still owns that IP, right? I, I mean, I don't know. I guess, could you look at who published it on Switch, maybe? Is that like a quick way I to think see? Microsoft like, look at the still published listing? it on Switch. Hmm. Let's see. But that's a but, that's a I mean, murky one. But they are technically yeah, the because, publisher. Because this morning uh, they announced that Moon's like next project is going to be a new IP. It's going to be an action RPG, and it's being made with um, Private Division. The name suddenly uh, Private. Private Division. Yeah. yeah. Which. Um, I mean, it's funny. We were talking recently about, hey, I wonder if Microsoft offered to buy that studio. And it's like, well, I guess maybe they had a, this was what they wanted to do, you know? Yeah, they wanted to make an action RPG. That's really exciting news. And I know that Private Division uh, lets the studios retain the IP. So maybe a lot of other offers were trying to just gobble up whatever Moon Studios wanted to crank out next. And so this seems like the best option. But yeah, hats off to Private Division for still going strong and landing that deal. I mean, everybody wants yeah. these studios. They're such a talented team. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, that's a confusing uh, one, th- but probably, yes. Number three is Fable. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two, Gears of War. And then number one, probably <laughs> you guys can guess. Do, are you laughing because we just don't have much to say about Gears of War? I mean, I, it's one of, the, one of those things where you could expect it, but I guess I just don't hear that much discussion about Gears of War, so I was expecting it to be yeah. a little bit lower on that list compared to some of these, like, beloved ones for our community i mean it is one i sort of connect to xbox when i think of gears of war i think of xbox See, i think that gets back to the minecraft thing and maybe why people are ranking this in an interesting way because you think of even the amount of buzz and love for outer worlds versus gears 5 like that's just bizarre but i think there's a lot of nostalgia for gears so i totally get it and number one halo there we go there we go uh, some facts here. <laughs> uh, Halo got almost half of the first place votes, far and away the highest percentage of any poll we've done so far. Wow. So people still really like Halo. Um, you heard it here first, Age, people. Age of Empires uh, was number 11. Oh, always <laughs> number 11. <laughs> always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about State of Decay. I, it wasn't on the top 10, and then... Uh, Roland didn't share any facts about where it might have placed on the list. So, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Well, hey, thanks for everybody in the Discord uh, that voted on that. If you want to join that Discord, which is a a wonderful place, you can support us in any tier on Patreon. We'd appreciate it. Um, Did you guys see this? uh, Hopefully it's not anybody's get a little of this. Did you see that little factoid from that weirdo interview with Gabe Newell where he somebody asked him, like, what the better console was coming out this fall? And he's like, oh, it's Xbox Series X. And they're like, why? And he goes... Oh, it just is. It's a better system. Yeah, he didn't elaborate at all. I was like, what the <laughs> Do you think it's just because Epic is kind of getting buddy-buddy with Sony over there? So he's like, you know what? That Epic game store is screwing us. I'm going the other way. Yeah, maybe. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, maybe. Or we, maybe. we talked about it on the Red Dead stream yesterday. Some. Oh, did you? I'm I'm guessing it's just it's the PC connection there. Like, like they probably just have to press one button to make a game go from PC to Xbox. So I see. Like, yeah. So when they eventually right. port Half-Life Alex to Xbox, it makes yeah. total sense. Um, I think <laughs> it's telling, though. Like, Gabe seems like a straight shooter. He's too rich to not be honest, and he knows his tech. <laughs> like, if he has... Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but if he He's has... He's rich enough like, to be trustworthy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how trustworthiness works. It's the more that you have, the more trustworthy you are. Yeah, dollars are just like a way to level up your trustworthiness, Leo. Didn't you know this? Yeah. Anyways. No but like he's probably <laughs> seen both consoles. He's probably messed around with both of them. Both of them. So if he's making that call, I think it's pretty interesting. 
Sure. I, sure. I, I think it was just weird that he had no elaboration to offer at all. He's just like, yeah. Why? He's like, because. And then he just like walked away. Well, to be fair, it was on like Good Morning New Zealand. So what's he going to do? Break down the SSDs? Come on. Uh, hey, just to crack these open a little early, Victor Fam writes in and says, hey, is Microsoft fumbling their messaging going into next gen? In previous interviews, Phil Spencer has spoken about games from first party. Xbox first party being developed for both current gen and next gen, while a large majority of the games shown at the showcase were actually next gen only. Spencer has also spoken at length about his distaste for timed exclusives, and yet the showcase was full of them. They talk about Series X being the world's most powerful console, but then show Halo Infinite, which doesn't look next gen at all. What gives? Yes, there's a lot going on here. Um, just in general, do you think they're fumbling their messaging? I feel like they've had a pretty gamer-friendly message for the last couple of years, and the Game Pass, I still think, is an amazing deal for gamers, but it's one of those things of it's starting to get complicated <laughs> to figure out, yeah, what what is this here? What is releasing on what, and what's it going to look like? Yeah, I, I think part of that is just that, you know, Microsoft's going to say whatever is most advantageous to them at the time. So when they weren't buying a lot of timed exclusives, it's very easy and very, you know, friendly with gamers to say oh yeah we don't believe in that timed exclusive stuff but then once they have the budget for it and they actually want to invest in that they're going to change their tune about it and and the the idea that also their cross-platform idea of like oh you're going to be be able to play anything anywhere well obviously they have they have to start cutting off games at some point and systems at some point. You're not yeah. going to be able to continue play Halo Ten on your Xbox One. Well, no, but and so it the question of when that's when that starts happening. You know they don't want to say anything f- more forward than like the next current couple games. But I'm sure as as soon as a developer comes to them and says, "Hey, yeah, this is going to run like crap on Xbox One. We can't do it." Then they're going to say, "Okay, fine." Then it's not coming out there. Well, the complicated thing is that seems like it's already happening. And so they said for the next couple of years, the games are going to be straddling both. But then a lot of these games they were shown, if you look at the fine print, it's like, oh, it's not being listed for Xbox One. And so at this point, the idea of them making it work for Xbox One, Xbox One it just doesn't seem realistic. And so The Verge had an interesting write-up trying to get to the bottom of this because their messaging is all over the place on this one front. And so these are the games from the showcase that did not list Xbox One as an option in the fine print. Uh, State of Decay 3, Forza Motorsport, Fable, Avowed, As Dusk Falls, Everwild, Stalker 2, Warhammer, 40,000 Darktide, and The Medium. Um, but, I mean, some huge ones. I mean, the idea that Fable and Forza aren't at this point being said that they're going to release for Xbox One after this message from Phil Spencer and the rest of the Microsoft team for quite a while of saying, hey, we're going to straddle generations for a little bit here. Uh, it's pretty telling that they're ready to cut that off faster than we think. Those games are also probably like two years out, though. Right? I, I mean, Forza, you gotta think it's coming faster than that. <laughs> yeah, I would assume so. But Fable feels pretty far out if they all they had was a yeah. pre-rendered trailer. You know? Yeah, well, if you think about it, Forza Horizon 4 was 2018, I believe. And so, you know, they've been ramping up since then. So, yeah, maybe... Maybe next year, if they're really being ambitious, they certainly know how to crank out titles over there. Um, yeah. But you I know, think it's funny. My initial reaction to that question actually was uh, was a no because I feel like their messaging is just like we're Game Pass. Yeah, you know what I mean, and like that they're selling pretty well. But I, I mean, I think you bring up some very good points about the confusion about cross generation and stuff like that. But in terms of like 
to me, Xbox Series X is like the Game Pass machine. I feel like that's coming across pretty strong. Yeah. It is interesting thinking of Microsoft focusing on, hey, they'll be cross-generational, all these games, and then it turns out, ah, we're leaning towards the future. And then I'm still waiting for the hammer to drop of Sony announcing that uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales will be released on PS4, which I think it is. (laughs) And so once that messaging gets out there, then everyone's going to be like, I don't know what's going on anymore. What do generations mean? Well, it would probably be a Breath of the Wild situation, right? You can play it like a month or however. I don't know what the gap between... Breath, no, wait, Breath of the Wild was day and day to switch in yep. Wii U, right? Yep. Twilight Princess was about a month apart, I think. Wii and then GameCube. So I wonder if it's going to be that situation. Like, if you want to play it early and you want to play the best version you play on PS5, if you're willing to wait, you can play it in a month on PS4. That seems kind of antiquated. I think they would just get it all out of the gate right away so they round so. up the sales. Yeah. Um, but to your point, Kyle, Birkin in Minnesota says, I think a lot of the backlash Xbox got for the game's presentation stems from the marketing from marketing it as a showcase of games for the, quote, most powerful console, despite only showing cross-gen games that don't demonstrate the console's full potential. In order to properly set expectations and avoid backlash, should they have labeled or marketed the showcase differently? Perhaps just as an Xbox Game Pass showcase instead. It would have likely received less viewers, but also less backlash. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it would have received less viewers. I think everyone wanted something. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, that's a good point, though. I, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a Maybe. tough sell to be like, look at the power of this generation. It's wild. Eh, but then also, this stuff can still run over there. So they're stuck no matter what. But I don't know how you message that smoothly as, here's a bunch of games coming to the Game Pass. Oh, by the way, we're going to be selling a new super expensive console this year. Yeah. Buy it if you want. Like, that just seems yeah. too murky. I, I think they were much more concerned with saying, hey, how do we how do we declare that we have the most powerful console? coming this holiday and yeah. we'll ju- and we're we're just going to shoe that it shoehorn that in because we're not talking about the hardware at all anyway in this you know showcase so we'll just declare that these are the games coming to the most powerful console yeah job done job done uh job done microsoft looking forward to learning more about halo <laughs> infinite what they said like multiplayer within a couple months they're going to be showing yeah and also i I saw. I, I I didn't substantiate or really look into it too much, but I saw someone saying that like that multiplayer might be like released after the single player game. But I don't that I don't know about that. A lot like, of rumors still true. flying about Halo Infinite. It's probably yeah. a bad sign. I mean, it that... could have been like a GTA approach, maybe like give people a week or so to play the campaign and then get multiplayer going. That but seems not for bizarre. Halo. That seems bad. I think yeah. it's probably that, a bad sign yeah. that we're this close to the launch of Halo Infinite. They just had this big presentation with all the eyeballs focused on it for Halo Infinite, and people still have a million questions about Halo Infinite. I mean, Is maybe that's a question. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of that's a big one. Right, right. Anyways, um, do you all want to talk about Carrion? Yes. Great. Yeah. Uh, the freaky monster game uh, that let's see, Jeff, I'm and Kyle have been playing. Leo, have you checked this thing out at all? No, I haven't. It seems uh, you hurt people in it, and I can't endorse that. I think that's a really smart take, man. Uh, yeah, I so carrying you're a monster that's getting bigger and bigger, crawling, uh, 2D perspective, crawling through this environment, uh, eating people. Uh, you have very stringy tentacles as you consume people. Kyle, what do you think of this thing? Oh, I love hurting people, so okay, unlike cool. Leo. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's good. It's like the thing that that game does 
the best. And the, the, even after playing it for like a minute, you're like, oh, okay, I see why this is interesting, is how you control the monster and the yeah. way it like grabs onto walls and pulls itself along and stuff like that. Like that part is awesome and it only gets better as you literally grow. But then there are other elements of the game. Like it doesn't have a map. It's kind of a, it's a, it's, I wouldn't go so far as to call it like a Metroidvania. It's pretty close though. And there, and even though like they do a lot of things to help you not need a map, I got lost a lot, and like yeah. I really would have benefited from a map, even just to like give me some some just a general direction to head towards, you know. But um, yeah, your abilities expand like again, literally like over the course of the game in interesting ways. And even though there's like, have you have you guys has Jeffem have you finished it? Uh, no, I. I played like seven or eight hours before I stopped playing. Okay, you're probably pretty close. but And, and there's not really like a lot of story. There's no dialogue. There's no text mm-hmm. or anything. But there is, a, you know, like occasionally you get a little bit of an idea of like what's happening. And it ends uh, really strongly. Like I, I think the ending okay. is very cool. Um, so I would I would encourage you to, to see it to the end. But I, overall, like good. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Is there a chance it's making your top ten, Kyle? Hmm. Probably not. Okay. If I'm going to be honest, like it's good. It's like if I were reviewing it, I'd probably be like in around that seven or eight, maybe like a high seven or eight kind of range. You okay. Know? Um, but I don't know. You know, you got to see what the rest of the year looks like. I mean, it was enough that I was like eager to finish it and I was excited to finish it. If I if I really disliked it, I would have stopped playing after yeah. I got lost the third time. You know, it is one of those games I'm really happy I picked up just to see how it feels to play because yeah we can't overstate the movement of the monster is so awesome and just like yes slinging yeah. stuff around is they need to release just a slice of a demo so people can get a feel for how bizarre it is to control that thing uh yeah that that sort of exists oh really On the switch version at least they're in the start menu there's demo so like if you just want to show a friend or something you can hand them your switch and they can just play i'm guessing it was like an like a like an e3 or pax demo or something oh okay it's kind uh, of that. that's in there which is kind of cool it's kind of, it's like what the golf has that too yeah where it's like hey check out just just so you get an idea of what this game is you can play this demo this has that too which i think is cool yeah that's nice yeah it, i i did enjoy it and i i do think that is the strongest part of it is just how it controls and how it looks as you're moving around is super cool. But I did eventually grow tired of... I, I don't think the formula changes enough as it goes on. It just kind of gets a little more complicated with some of the puzzles and the combat gets harder, which I did not enjoy the combat. I, I enjoy the fact that you can do like the the kind of brain control where you latch onto someone and then you can use their weapons and stuff. But beyond that, they're like combat can become a real pain in the butt um and the the controls as as cool as traversing everything is sometimes you know when you're trying to grab something specific especially in the middle of combat it gets very tedious and the checkpoints can also kind of be a pain and so i eventually for for as cool as you know a cross between kind of the metroid formula and the thing as like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite movies um, I was fully on board at the beginning, but ultimately ran out of steam with it. That's carrying but, everybody. Yes. But the the fact that you say it ends strong, Kyle, makes me think maybe I should just go back and finish the I, last I think hour. You're, I, I think you're very close. Like, I, yeah, th- I it, think I it only seemed, played it, it for about like five in hours. Terms of, so. In terms of, you know, unlocks, ability unlocks and stuff, it seemed like I was getting towards the end. But yeah, maybe I'll yeah. go back to it. See you to the end. Hi, Leo. Hey, guys. How's everything going great. over there? You did great on that segment. I was happy to listen. Oh, thanks. You're on the edge <laughs> of your seat. I can see. Yeah. Uh, what's your life like these days? 
Ah, oh, living, laughing, loving, my brother. It's been <laughs> great. Does it feel stress-free? Does it feel different? Do you feel like you're settling into your new groove yet? I feel like I'm in my new groove. I like it a lot. It's like I've kind of built my life right now around the things I like doing most in my career and in my personal life. So it's really a very good time for me as much as it might not be a good time for the world. <laughs> That's true. I feel stressed out uh, because, you know, it's weird working with you on like the part-time basis because I, I feel like I've been sending you a lot of Slack messages about like, ah, we kind of do things this way. This uh, is the way our YouTube descriptions work. Be sure to post uh, this before that. I feel yeah. like I'm needling you. Does it feel like you're being needled? <laughs> if you were, if I ever disagreed with anything, I like, I think we got to that point in Game Informer sometimes where I was like, okay, I'm being needled, needled. <laughs> but I, <laughs> so far it's been like, oh yeah, that's something I forgot to do and I yeah. needed a reminder for it apparently. So. It's kind of fun. Not yet it, is the answer. Oh, good, good. It's like a fun realization of MinMax still feels really simple and small in my mind, which I love. But then you bring somebody new on, especially somebody more technical, and it's like, okay, you got to remember this, you got to remember this, and you just realize, like, oh, we've actually been building up a system and a whole language here that's, turns out it takes a little while to convey how these things work, and like, you know, simple things like, oh, we do polls on Patreon this way, instead of having it at the percentage base, like, those tiny details are, are fun to convey. Yeah, and I mean, you were very clear, it was like, Leo, you're out of here if you can't get this right, like, I found yeah. it really easy to... <laughs> To get the motivation to do that. Oh, cool, man. Uh, <laughs> hey, you checked out Round Guard again, which is a Peggle clone that came out earlier this year, but then you were red hot on oh, an what? update? Yes, I was red hot at launch as well. Round Guard, like you said, Peggler, for people <laughs> who don't know. Pe yeah, Peggle genre of game. It's If you like Peggle, you'll like Round Guard. But there's also abilities. So like after you fire, you can use a, a number of abilities like a double jump where you can change your direction or like shoot an arrow at an enemy because you're kind of defeating enemies instead of defeating orange pegs like in Peggle and it's all procedurally generated like a roguelike but what they added was uh, daily and weekly challenges with the fun modifiers that they tend to bring with those so they're like the first weekly for example just turned off gravity so normally it's, you know, like a pachinko machine where it bounces off the pegs and works its way down. But just turning off gravity, it's more just ricocheting like a DVD screensaver, a DVD player screensaver. And oh, it completely fun. changes the gameplay, which is like a, just what I needed as an excuse to get back into that game every once in a while. It's like, oh, I can boot it up and do a daily and get a puzzle piece. And if I get eight puzzle pieces from doing a number of dailies and weeklies, then I can get these permanent upgrades in the game. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you what puzzle pieces do because as soon as as soon as you mentioned uh a peggle like rpg in our slack message i threw my phone out the window and <laughs> ran straight to my console and started playing it it's and i'm also too. having a ton of fun with it yeah that's great yeah i i the they are relics relics you can unlock okay. in the normal game and there are exclusive like daily and weekly relics that you can unlock again forever and they kind of change the gameplay like double the amount of enemies or like you have all this extra mana but it's constantly draining. Weird okay. little gameplay changes that can end up in you getting uh, more points, which is the gold in the game. Yeah. So it's like as you unlock them, you turn on more and more of them and see what you can, how you can combine them to get the best score and have the right level of challenge for you. It's kind of like Halo Skulls, I guess. 
Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely wasn't expecting, you know, it's like Peggle, but with classes and you're fighting enemies and collecting loot and all these other things. I didn't know that was something I wanted so much, but <laughs> but apparently it was the whole time. So. Yeah, it yeah. works. I'm glad you're playing it. Keep it in mind for yeah. game of the year. Oh, wow, number one game of the year slot. Uh, yeah, and the nice thing is like, it's on Switch. It's on sale for 12 bucks right now. It's like, all right. That seems like a game that would be really fun to have on Switch compared to other yeah. stuff. Because I played a little bit on Steam and I was kind of like, ah, it doesn't have that pop cap level of polish and charm that For of sure. course I was expecting, which is uh, naive. Uh, but having just kind of a indie Peggle clone on Switch, that makes total sense. Yeah, and also... I guess, Ky- I guess it's Apple Arcade on phone. Right. I literally went to go download it as we were talking about it. Embarrassed <laughs> that I wasn't yeah. familiar with this. So. I, I Just to further sell you on it, Kyle, I was going to oh. say, I know that you don't like roguelikes, but... In this case, it's it's Peggle, you know, like when when a <laughs> so round ends, when a round ends and you decide, yeah, I'm going to start another one. It's just more Peggle levels. Like That, that seems like it works, you guys. It's I not like soul this. crushing when <laughs> yeah. a run ends or anything like that. And I, right. I do think they do a good job of giving you a bunch of rewards as you as you go on. Like when you when you eventually lose a run the first thing it does is tally up all the gold that you got and then you spin a wheel and that gives you a power up for your next run so you're not you know just starting completely from scratch and so yes. there's just a lot of very smart kind of things like that for sure nice. the one relic i looked at before the this podcast because i wanted to have one ready to talk about and then i forgot about it until right now is uh <laughs> it's called instinct and it makes it so if you shoot within the first two seconds of the ball you know sitting in the launcher at the start of a turn you are shielded so you take less damage from the enemies mm-hmm. you hit but if you wait longer than two seconds you're vulnerable so you take extra damage so like nice. turning that relic on completely changes the game of just shooting as fast as you possibly can and feeling the instinct but yeah. i think that yeah like jeff i'm saying just smart design choices like that and in some ways it's better than Bagel. it's missing that polish but yeah. the way that the powers change the gameplay is like a more compelling experience it's like yeah, where peggle it, would be if they kept releasing a peggle every other year exactly that, that's exactly what i was this. gonna say it's yeah. like popcat makes these franchises and then they just don't do the things that you want to do with them and like continue to grow them well they'll release yeah. someone like the- someone at popcat should have said hey we should make peggle into an rpg and then just shout down all the people saying you're crazy and do it anyway <sighs> but they didn't so this other developer did god i need to get inside PopCap. I want to understand what's going on with that studio. There's the Garden Warfare stuff. I totally get, but <laughs> that studio had a bizarre heyday and it's just been fizzling out for the last yeah. 10 years. When you when you infiltrate them, Hanson, please yeah. scream at them why they haven't released Bookworm on Android. <laughs> Well, I, I, I don't know if they'll hear me because obvious. I'm sure the crowd's going to be chanting "bookworm" on Android around me, so my voice <laughs> will know, just be I, lost in the sea. I was I was cheering that for ten years at Game Informer. In every post <sighs> I did about PopCap, I included that, and they're just not listening. <laughs> Remember, they I mean, blocked me so from their emails. Bookworm, Hanson, it's a great game. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. I'm writing down what happened to PopCap in my video essay document. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've been tempted to do something bigger with that for sure. I think it's a really interesting story. Remember when they released, they like published other indie games and the first one, I think it was the first one they released was called Unpleasant Horse. <laughs> that's <laughs> brilliant. Well, that's a good name. It's a yeah. great, it's up there with Yeti Train, which is a game they never released. Anyways, um, <laughs> hey, did you all look at this gigantic leak from Nintendo, which has been a dubbed giga leak, you might the call it. Giga Leak. 
So this has a story to it. Uh, seems like it started on 4chan. This huge dump of Nintendo old assets, uh, dev history stuff, emails, slideshows, just a crazy treasure trove of Nintendo development secrets suddenly popped up on 4chan. And Vice had a very interesting article about it. I think Patrick Klepek wrote it. Just chronicling the idea of it just being dumped and then people were like, is this really what I think it is? I guess I'll start looking through it. It's kind of a scary link to click on. And then just slowly realizing, oh my God, this is everything. Very clearly illegally stolen. So it's a weird thing to talk about. You would have wished that Nintendo released this officially, of course. But at the same time, it's so fascinating and you so rarely get insight in Nintendo's development like this that it's just, you gotta, you gotta look at it, right? <laughs> you gotta yeah, they, laugh. You they, gotta they, laugh. They, they said like terabytes of information, the, the size of the leak. Yeah. Leo, yeah. did you look like, at this stuff at all? I haven't looked at it. I heard about it. Okay. There's stuff that's like boiled up to, you know, the meme space already. And it's kind of being filtered out in different ways. So they had like early builds of Pokemon Pearl and Diamond. And I saw that people started becoming obsessed with like the placeholder art for Arceus, who in the world of Pokemon is like the god literally god in the world of pokemon is arceus and the placeholder art for this thing is just like this freaky janky looking brown turd it's very funny to see uh and it's interesting like in the advice article they talk about uh the leak of this pokemon and how it compares to you know they had that early version of pokemon gold and silver that leaked a couple of years ago as well which i know that game freak is allergic to the concept of they take this stuff very seriously as, as they should um but apparently there is a large community called the Proto-Pokemon community. And there's been warring factions with that community about who's <laughs> leaking what, where these leaks are coming from. Um, but on the Pokemon front, in that dump, uh, there is like a PowerPoint presentation from 2004, 2005, where Game Freak was talking about creating an online Pokemon game for the IQ, which is Nintendo's Chinese console. I don't know if you've seen this thing. <laughs> Just a bizarre choice, but it was about hooking up your GBA to your PC and then certain regions would be online. It's just a cool pitch to see. You know, I'm sure it was pitched once and then quickly forgotten about. But uh, Kyle, did you look into the Nintendo leak? Yeah, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of sites that are rounding them up well. Like Kotaku just has a good, like, yeah. hey, here's a bunch of stuff. And the stuff that was really appealing to me is seeing stuff that I, is just like burned into my brain that I know really well from playing over and over as a kid and seeing it under in a new light. Like one is um, all the audio files from Star Fox 64 are yeah. available uncompressed. <laughs> so like you can hear all those lines of dialogue without any filters on them at all. And it's so weird to hear a human being <laughs> saying, like, do a barrel roll. You can <laughs> like, hear so Slippy breathe. Like, I, oh, hey, it's so hey, weird. I'm on your side. It's like, That's just a person <laughs> in a room. That's not Slippy. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other one that was really was just like, oh, my God, this it just breaks my brain to look at was like an early. I don't know. I, early might not even be the right term because it seemed pretty far along in development. But Yoshi's Island, Super Mario World uh, 2. Yeah an early version of it where they had like a different opening level, different art style, oh my slightly God. like the background of the map was much more active. And then there were things like 
the cursor to throw eggs could actually lock onto enemies and was much larger. And there was like all this UI on the bottom of the screen that didn't make it to the final game. Like that kind of stuff, like it would just breaks my brain. Cause I'm like, I know that game so well to see this like weird early version of it is so strange. And did you, you see know? how deep that rabbit hole went for Yoshi's Island in particular? Because they yeah. call it at some point, I love this. They called it Super Mario Brothers 5 Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Just such an awesome, weird framing for all those people that are like, Yoshi's Island, and eh, nah, barely a Nintendo game. I guess it's a Mario <laughs> game. And now it's like, oh, it was almost called Super Mario Brothers 5. Or at some point in the development, they called it that. But then they had an early build of it as well that was just called Super Donkey. I don't know if you saw this one, Kyle, but it has... I a, don't think I saw that one. It's insane. Unless, see, a lot of the stuff is getting mixed with kind of like fan-made stuff, but this was in a roundup at least. So it's called Super Donkey, and it was an early version of Yoshi's Island where it didn't even have Yoshi as the protagonist. The art kind of looked similar to Yoshi's Island and some of the platforms and stuff like that, but the protagonist was like this <laughs> weirdo guy in like a pilot suit, and he's like grabbing onto ledges and launching himself around... And people are theorizing that maybe that was Jumpman. Like, that was Nintendo's idea of bringing back Jumpman from Donkey Kong, except it's not Mario. It is this weird pilot freak. You said Super Donkey is what it was called? Yeah, Kyle. Just go ahead and turn your safe search off and and just Google Super Donkey. Okay. I got nothing for that. That's not it. (laughs) I just want to see what this thing looks like. Yeah. You can't find the other one. Maybe it was a fever dream. The other... The other big one was uh, they found uh, a Luigi character model for Super Mario 64. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is kind of wild, you know? Yeah, so it seems like he was in there in some way for Mario 64. Just cool alternate enemies for Mario 64 as well that weren't in the final game. Like, that was, you know, it's a good sign when this dump is so interesting that some of the least interesting stuff is like, oh, they had new items and stuff in Mario Kart 64 they never used or new enemies in this game that weren't used. But A a different uh, theme song for Mario Kart? as well super yeah. mario that's right yeah was one of them um, and and also <laughs> the original design for yoshi was terrifying yeah that's did you see right. that like super skinny kind of bird beak yoshi it was like emaciated yoshi or Not something a fan, yeah no. it looked like you know in mario maker that freaky poison mushroom lanky ass mario that's just terrifying it looked like that version but applied to yoshi yeah, but yeah, but then it was fun because they also had alternate Mario World stuff with just like different sprites, like different sprites, evolutions of Mario sprites for Mario World. It's just a fascinating look yeah, at they, how a game that iconic can come to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they proved once and for all that uh, Mario is actually punching Yoshi in the back of the head because because <laughs> one of the early sprite animations was much more graphic with you know the punching lions coming off of it. Uh, and there was a Grandpa Yoshi, which was very cute. He had a big oh, beard. Oh, I didn't see that one. Grandpa. And apparently uh, in, I think it was Super Mario World, but Luigi had a a middle finger sprite. Yeah. Which some people were saying that that uh, in Japanese sign language, that that's the symbol for brother, but <laughs> it could also just be the middle finger. Uh, I love Luigi's that. Double meaning. Yeah. Yep. And it's not, you know. I'm not going to hold Nintendo accountable for this, but I love just like those ounces of personality. Like apparently in the Link to the Past source code, there's the the F words in there. It's like, all right, who knows yeah. why, but sure. Yeah, and and some of some of that also came out with like the emails and program, you know, programming notes back and forth to one another to you know between programmers and stuff. Some of it was very not safe for work. Yes. Um, uh, 
but uh, it was you know 30 years ago kyle i will send you i'll post it in slack this <laughs> insane thing of the donkey from oh i found it i found it oh you did okay Because he looks kind of like a rayman a little bit yes he does yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and yeah i was, I was tr- there's another maybe we can come back to this later but like there was and i bring it up because maybe you know hansen there was a time where miyamoto referenced like he said mario and sonic were the best platformers but there was a third one that he was that he really felt strongly about that ended up not being very popular, but it had that sort of Rayman style of like the limbs that don't connect that kind of looks like Super Donkey. Balls. Um, I, but 3D. I don't remember the name of the game. Vector Man. No, it was it was like in the the sort of SNES era. I I I will see. Maybe I can find it later and we can talk about it. Okay. But it, it, it's reminiscent of that third game that he that he talked about. Yeah. It's, it kind of reminds me of that. Uh, Jeff, on the Mario World front, they had. Did you see that? Donkey Kong was originally in Mario World, or at least there no. was a sprite for him. And the cool thing is, it's a really cool design, and he has the tie, which mm. you think, like, oh, I thought that would just be a rare thing. But I love that even back from Mario World, they said, like, well, there you Donkey go. Kong's got to have a tie now, and then that carried <laughs> over into eventually Donkey Kong Country. Um, and then Rare got all the credit for it. That's right, the brilliance oh, of the tie. Uh, but Kyle, there was some interesting Zelda stuff in there. Like people saw that the some disc drive stuff, right? Like the, uh, yep. the dolphin kind of, yeah. Yeah. So it's Ocarina of Time, like early footage where they said that originally there was going to be uh, the 64 DD update to Ocarina of Time was going to add new temples and stuff, and some of those yeah. builds and assets are out there. Uh, apparently, Majora's Mask originally had seven days instead of three. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense. A week, you know? Right. And just to clear up any confusion also, they had like Link to the Past stri- uh, sprites, and it's very clear that Link has pink hair. I know there's always been confusion about that. <laughs> we even yeah. in the rapid fire, I think, asked the director of Link to the Past, so he does have Link hair, right? And he's like, I don't remember. But I wish, God, I mean, this is going to be five alarm fire if anybody ever tries it, but I hope at some point somebody from the press is able to ask somebody from Nintendo about some of these early assets. I'm sure there's going to be like brick wall. We don't talk about that. But yeah. can you imagine how many memories it would spark if you actually showed Tezuka or Miyamoto some of these old sprites and early versions of things? I'm sure they don't even remember what this stuff was like. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, sadly, I like they just, it's, they will probably never acknowledge it, you know, no. which is like such a bummer, but. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I told the story before, but I tried to acknowledge those early versions of Gold and Silver to Game Freak during the rapid fire, and they literally would not look at my phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was it was bizarre. But like, we cannot acknowledge that we've seen that at any point. Yeah. Um, but uh, Dylan Cuthbert, who worked at Argonauts, uh, Star Fox designer, worked on Star Fox 2. They had a bunch of weird early Star Fox 2 art where there was like a human involved and a bunch of other just freaky characters. That is so weird, that And idea. they had a bunch of, yeah, Argonauts emails going back and forth, uh, arguing about porn in the office that you're getting at, I believe, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just a bizarre time capsule. But then the fun thing that Dylan C- Cuthbert did tweet about is he's like, oh my God, somebody unearthed this old modding tool I used to help develop Star Fox 2 that I have not seen for 30 years. He's like, he had no idea it even existed anywhere. And the idea that Nintendo had held on to all of this stuff is almost a good sign for historians. The idea that these archives are much, much more detailed than we could hope for, even if they're under that Nintendo lock and key. Yeah. Yeah, and, And that his messages also kind of helped verify for people that this was you know because there was speculation at first of whether this leak was real or not even though how are you going to fake a terabyte of 
you know, design documents and source code and stuff like that. We but. re-recorded Slippy's lines with perfect audio quality. Yes. <laughs> the actor who played Peppy passed away recently, but luckily we got in right before... <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so it's Nintendo Giga Leak. Be careful. Search around for that yeah. stuff. Um, Nintendo's ready to crack down on everybody left and right, but yeah. fascinating insight. Yes, and but we, sh- we should also say that Cuthbert also pointed out that, like, Hey, you know, like how would how would you like it if I went and read your childhood diary? Because one of the things that was posted was apparently literally someone's diary. Like like they what? had they had like computer, you know, like a computerized version of a diary that they kept with like personal stuff in it. And, you know, all of that is also included in this leak. And so Yeah. There I mean it's all stuff certainly... that was always presumed to be private from all the people, yeah. like emails and stuff, you know. So there is certainly some privacy issues related to it yeah what do you think Miyamoto's reaction was this to this Kyle do you think he threw a vase against the wall you know he's (laughs) capable of anger he smiles a lot but he he can get mad he's capable of anger (laughs) quite the psychologist (laughs) over there Kyle my god thank you you. (laughs) um hey Jeff you wanted to talk about the messenger you said, "Don't end this podcast until I've yeah." Just said I brought up I that I was. I brought up that I was playing the messenger yesterday, and you all laughed in my face. That's like right. I was some because yeah, we played it like a, two years ago. Yeah. I'm sorry that it just came out on Xbox for the first time three days ago. Okay, uh-huh. that's right. when Did I played it? it. I think it Jim. came to Game Pass. I think it's been out for a while, right? Uh, that's what Wikipedia said. I went okay, straight. Right. I I went straight and right. checked the release date after that conversation because it was so harmful to me i was like what, what am i uh but yeah it's great if people haven't heard of it like me um it, it's basically like an old school ninja gaiden which Wait, real I've... quick before you continue i want to ask you <laughs> yes did you know the twist um i i saw a message about it yes okay but so I, you, at least, I, you knew that at least going into it yes but i didn't okay. i didn't fully know because the pre-twist I thought already looked kind of like what they were teasing at with post twist, which has made this conversation impossible to follow. Um, I mean, it was part of the marketing. It's not anything we need to dance around. I mean, I suppose it couldn't hurt if you haven't played the messenger at this point, like it would be nice to go in blind, but there is a nice little twist partway through that game. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that's cool about it is that it does evolve the gameplay a lot. It's, it's not just a 16 hour, you know, recreation of those old, ninja gaiden style action platformers but they they do a lot of interesting stuff with it and it kept me going the entire way do you want to stream it with dan reichert is he is he doing that no just to get back to your wonderful oh ninja gaiden yeah times? so he can he can scream at me about the freaking hawks yeah they attack they they do have like skeleton buzzards you know uh buzzards right that's the word yeah they yeah. like carrion they they act very much like like the Hawks in Ninja Guide. But I would say that the con- it controls much better than the old Ninja. People don't recognize that part of the reason that those old Ninja Gaiden games were so hard was just because the controls were crap. And it, it was really frustrating and unfair how it worked. But this one plays very nicely. I think that it it tells a very goofy story, but it is, it's a lot of fun. And I, I actually appreciated the sense of humor of it because it doesn't oh, nice. take itself super seriously. So... And it is, as we said, on Game Pass now, so you can check it out. Why it is. is it Messenger and not Messenger? You know, I, I, I was thinking that, 
as I was playing through it because they kept on saying, oh, yeah, he's the guy who has the message. And I was like, what? how did that word ever get changed to messenger? It's wonder... very confusing. Also, I should say that there is uh, a DLC, free DLC out for it that adds like some kind of summer expansion pack thing. There it. we go. I wonder if uh, America Online still owns Messenger. There's got to be some confusing Messenger rights out there, right? Yeah, Facebook Messenger. Yeah. Who owns America Online? America. Every, every now and then I still see an email that's an at AOL.com. Really? So apparently someone's... There, was a, my there was a prominent game developer I remember setting up interviews with who had an at AOL.com email address I was very surprised about. You can oh, say their crap. name. You're not giving out their exact email address. Who is it? Oh, sure. It's Ed Mc, Edmund McMillan. <laughs> oh, interesting. Huh. It's like, all right. He got back oh, to me very quickly. Still checks that how, AOL inbox. Good for how him. does a guy that in tune with the internet still use AOL? Is it like kitschy at that point? It yeah. makes you okay. think Maybe. we're doing something wrong, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally had this thought, I think last week, tell me if I'm out of my mind, but I'm like, you know, it'd be a, an interesting interview for MinMax interviews. We have a new one coming up Monday, which is very interesting, by the way. But uh, would it be interesting just to talk to like the lead marketing person who's been there the longest for Hotmail? Like, what is, what is their <laughs> job like? Well, are they just sitting down at a desk every way? Like, hey, we got to convert people to Hotmail. Like, good luck. Don't you want to yeah. know if they have a strategy? Yeah. I yeah. Ad- I admit some curiosity now that you okay. brought it up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so if you work for Hotmail, please reach out to me at Hanson at MidMax.com. So uh, just to be clear, your your premise for this interview is to talk to someone and have them justify their job to you. That's right. And then I rip off okay. my mask. And the whole and of the boss. internet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's the way it works. Yeah. Um, hey, one more quick thing that, that caught my eye on the internet this week is uh, Mike Laidlaw, who is the creative director for dragon age uh for years and years he left bioware and he went to uh ubisoft eventually uh to work on a mysterious project with uh, ubisoft quebec and uh jason schreier friend of the show over at bloomberg uh he had a big write-up just about what that project was because apparently it is now dead but interesting to know that at some point here within ubisoft uh he was developing an rpg that was surrounding the king arthur myth uh, and it was called Avalon, one of my favorite uh, board games of all time. Um, and so here's, here's a description from Jason Trier over there. Says, Avalon was a cooperative multiplayer title planned as a full fantasy adventure with swords swords and sorcery at the forefront. Laidlaw and his team tried to salvage the game over 2019, pitching more science fiction and Greek mythology-focused versions, but those ideas were shot down too. And eventually the project was canceled, which is sad to see. But it's interesting to see Ubisoft at least interested in making a large rpg probably akin to a dragon age right um but the part i can't get over is that in 2019 they pitched pivoting to make it more greek mythology focused like after odyssey and while gods and monsters are being developed where they just like what is ubisoft like what's the safest bet look we'll do your whole greek mythology thing just please let it happen well yeah i i, I think part of it is i i don't know if it was in that article or not but one of the reasons that they ran into so many problems was because the creative director i believe at the time at ubisoft just hated fantasy and and so uh, he was like continually shutting down this team and telling them that you know it has to be better than Tolkien if you're going to do fantasy and apparently he he was also responsible for saying things like women in games don't sell and so he was also one who has recently been ousted with all of the you know harassment problems that they've had over there right too. kind so, of an old yeah. 
friend of the family's because you know there's an interesting article again from uh, Bloomberg a couple weeks ago yeah outlining what's going on at Ubisoft and you know starting with multiple brothers leading that show how it all filtered down but it's a tough thing of you know some people even wrote in last week and I'm sorry we didn't get to the, the questions asking about what should our takeaway be should we be not excited about Ubisoft games going forward due to all these harassment stories coming out of Ubisoft and that's a tough call you have to make on your own but it seems like from the outside at least that Ubisoft is trying to do a couple of steps in the right direction you know they've let some people go people have stepped down uh Gimo, you know head of the company you know but he's saying like hey we're really committed to reforming this thing to to make it better so at least there's been some actions taken to improve the company overall yeah that that's i think the the tough thing of you know, these problems come out, the company does stuff to try and at least address them, then it feels kind of weird to be like, well, now we're boycotting you. Right. Like, well, at this point, what could they do if, if you know, taking actions is just going to lead to further boycotts or not help with the boycotts then? And also boycotts probably don't do much to begin with. But by all, you know, certainly continue to put pressure on these kind of companies yeah. and make sure that they're being held accountable and that at least they know that the community is watching these kind of problems. And so hopefully that also empowers the developers at Ubisoft to speak out if they do continue seeing problems with, like this. Yeah, absolutely. Leo, are you wearing a Funko Land t-shirt? From the Andy McNamara collection. Oh, oh right. <laughs> Did you buy that? Did you like bid No, on there are a bunch left over. This is one of the free ones I got. Oh, yeah, because awesome. there were like a bunch of like Game Informer specific bundles and stuff when we auctioned off for Extra Life last year. How often do you wear uh, your Final Fantasy VII shirt, by the way, Leo? Not very often. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, Leo <laughs> last year bid himself on a Final Fantasy VII polo, like original Final Fantasy VII, which is like this big baggy white polo. Then it's a, has a no fear label on the sleeve which is the about the funniest thing you could wear no fear uh, turns out it's it irritates the nipple the way the pocket is placed with a zipper it is there's very little protection between your nipple hey, and that zipper. that's, that's what that the one. no label no fear labels for leo. yeah that's really Some tough you just gotta work through that nipple paint yeah God. leo uh you recently tweeted out an old video that you made from like 2017 where it's a review of Sexy Brutale. Mm. Uh, incredibly funny. May I spoil a little bit of that premise or I'll sure. just keep it ambiguous? Um, in that video, well, basically in the video, you find out that you're basically immortal in a, in a twist of twist that you're stuck in a Groundhog Day type loop. It's very Palm Springs. Um, and then it just made me laugh so much sitting in the MinMax studio. I just could not stop laughing at this idea where the, one of the first things you do is you call up the police. Did you watch this, Kyle? I, a long time ago, I remember watching it. I don't remember this gag, but I remember you watching it. You call that. up the police and you say, hello, police? <laughs> That's right. I'm back. It's John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> And then they come and shoot you. I just love that idea repeatedly calling the police. It's an, I'm back. John Wayne Gacy here. That is the funniest thing you could do, Leo. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I, I was surprised how much I liked that video. Look at that. <laughs> Holds up well. Um, hey, anyways, uh, Leo, do you know how this whole Patreon operates? Viewers like you? That's right. Patreon supporters like you. Thank you for everybody that uh, has 
helped build MinMax into what it is today for allowing Leo to be brought on board. Everything like this, we appreciate it. Go over to patreon.com slash MinMax 2 ends. Support us at any tier. There's some good benefits waiting for you, including a revitalized, revolutionized, dare I say, $10 tier coming next week. So please keep your eye on that one. Be the um, first of your friends to do it before you even know what's going to be good about it. That would be a very <laughs> cool move. I think there's already hundreds of people that do it, but still, you can tell all your friends that you're the first one to do it. Right. Um, also, it is the last week, so if you want us if you want to have your picture on the wall of heroes behind us, you can support us uh, this week real quick, and then you could be on throughout all of August. Uh, the $50 tier, you can get your name in the description. We'll read your name on every episode of the Max show as well. Or, and I should say, uh, at that $50 tier, we record a custom private thank you video where you can let us know what you'd like us to say. Um, Kyle has agreed that at that $50 tier, he will sing any song from Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, totally. That really there seems was, fantastic. There was one that I, after I, like, very excitedly agreed to that, I went back and I was like, wait, actually, maybe not this one. And you're like, too late. Oh, try and guess helpless? what it is. <laughs> okay, I guess we won't focus on it too much just in case people pick it. Um, but also, yeah, there's the tier for a plug on the podcast. If you'd like a plug in every episode of the Min Max Show, just let us know. You can be a huge supporter. Also, uh, speaking of plug, you can check out Min Tracks this week, our standalone music podcast hosted by Matt Helgeson. Uh, Matthew Cotto is on this week, uh, who left Game Informer at the same time as Leo. So it'll be fun to hear Cotto talk with Helgeson. Those two work together for... 15 years, more than 15 years. That's going to be a fun dynamic to have talking about music, which is something I've never heard before. Have you have you revealed what the albums are going to be? Thanks for calling me out. Yeah, but I didn't recognize either of them, so I don't remember <laughs> okay. what they are now. Is but, one the is one the Smiths? No, it's not. You thought Kato okay. would go for that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, yeah, I think, I I'm excited his, to find out. Like, his, he had rotating desktop backgrounds of like old album covers. He's a big yeah. music. Maybe he was trying to surprise Helgeson, and they'll they'll save it for a follow-up episode, maybe. But it's another Weird Al episode, isn't it? It's yeah, we can't get enough of the Weird Al. Uh, I really wanted to on that Hamilton episode of Mintrax, by the way. I wanted just to play the entire Weird Al polka parody of Hamilton <laughs> and just like let it run, but like, I I can't just play a thirty-second clip or a minute clip. Like it would have to be six minutes of us listening to that because it is so good. Anyways, uh, thanks to Bambox for being a MinMax supporter. They say, all right, MinMaxers, orders for GamerBox number one closed July 15th, and we hope you didn't miss out as we are able to get one of the rarest voice actors in all of gaming in that box. But we decided to let you guys be the first to hear about the new franchises for box number two. If you've never grabbed a Bambox before, well... We're not called the ultimate collector's experience for nothing. Your membership gets you a box that contains exclusive art, collector's pins, replica props, and of course, a celebrity autograph certified by Beckett. Gamer box number two will contain collectible items for Resident Evil, Battletoads, Final Fantasy VII, and more. The box also comes with a guaranteed signed Funko Pop. You can grab yours now at thebambox.com. Boxes start at $30 and are limited to just $2,500 each. By joining, you'll also become a member of our exclusive community full of geeks, gamers, and horror fanatics, where there's always something going on. Because at BAM... We're more than just a box. Isn't that right, Jeffum? Because at BAM, we're more than just a box. Beautiful. We can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for your support, BAM Box. We appreciate it. Uh, Beaten Down Brian, thank you for your support. Beaten Down Brian says, if we have any fans of sim racing, or more specifically the Dirt Rally series, and you would like to see someone tackle the top leaderboard times, then check out my channel, Beaten Down Brian on YouTube. I don't post video- videos it regularly, but there's a backlog of over 60 runs to check out, and I promise that you'll be mildly entertained. 
Hell yeah, mm-hmm. being nice. down, Brian. Good Thanks plot. for your support. One of the greatest. Update is honest, too. That's what's important. That's very important. Also, thanks to I Am 8-Bit for their huge support. I'm in Max overall. You can help support them by going to their online store and buying anything and using the promo code for 10% off. MinMax show no longer MinMax they changed it uh, because it got out on Reddit <laughs> so <laughs> MinMax show is the new promo code for 10% off so please remember that um, but I made it once you to know it on Reddit. yes please don't be cool everybody this is kind of like our secret deal be cool, uh, be, cool. be cool but I made it is uh, selling the untitled goose game uh, vinyl soundtrack and also the game on PS4 and Switch. And you can only get this at im8bit.com. So if you're a fan of Untitled Goose Game, definitely check this out. Uh, it's very cool. The vinyl soundtrack and the actual game cases are fully recycled, made of 100% recyclable material. Uh, and the final soundtrack in particular, you never know what color it's going to be because it's recycled. It's just like a, talk about a cool custom piece of art. You know, you can... You can frame that album on a wall, and it's helping the environment. So please check that out and support I Am 8-Bit for us. All right, y'all. We have a bunch of questions. A lot of people wrote in at uh, patreon.com. If you're worth at any tier, you can submit a comment or a question. We're going to choose your number one favorite, and then I Am 8-Bit will ship out something very nice to them. Uh, Leo, what do you think we should give away this week, man? One million dollars cash. <laughs> That's right. I they gotta do it has now. promised that they're giving away. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. There's a typo. Uh, they're giving away the Battletoads vinyl soundtrack, valued um, at <laughs> south of one million dollars. But that's included in the description, and that's important. Uh, I forget if I have that back here, but uh, yes. So our favorite comment or question will be shipped out the Battletoads vinyl soundtrack. Which, by the way, that was a fun, weird thing in that Xbox showcase during that grounded. Uh, trailer. Oh, yeah. They just had like a big Battletoads Easter egg out in the yard. It's like, oh, what a weird thing I'd to see Obsidian include a Battletoads Easter egg. And no reference of that Battletoads game whatsoever. That just occurred to me. That is odd. It's been radio silent for a while. I'm still confused about who the team is that's making that thing. Because I think Rare is credited as the developer when you look it up, but I don't think that's true. No, Someone should I tell think- them. <laughs> oh, <crap. laughs> uh, but yeah, this was uh, due a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the grounded game came out in early access on on Steam and Xbox uh, today. If you're listening on Wednesday, um, I checked at the beginning. It seems like it's pretty similar to the demo they released a while ago. That was a time demo and stuff. But now it has voices and stuff. Um, survival game from Obsidian's an interesting combo. But Leo, you played a lot of that. What's your take on Grounded? Yay, nay, yay. Yeah, it was Yay. a Game Informer cover. I got they sent us a build. It was one of you know early in quarantine, so we're figuring out how to do remote cover trips, and we got to get a ton of gameplay out of that. And it's fun. It's like it's they are fans of survival games, and they know the quality of life features you want and how you want it to feel when you're blueprinting your base and building it up and everything. And it's smart. And there's like some impressive uh, bones to it. As far as physics and everything, you can kind of run along the top of grass stalks, but a spider could hit the bottom of the grass and knock it down, and you tip over and go fall into the ground. It's it's well put together. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's good did you, did you, Leo or Hanson, did you mess with the spider scariness slider? So you can turn off the spiders in the game, so they're just kind of weirdo yeah. creatures. Yeah. Well, the way it works is it's like a slider that as you like creep down the slider it slowly removes elements of the spider and if you turn it all the way down it just becomes two white balls with like glowing red eyes which oh like God. i i had it turned all the way down 
and I found one just in a cave, and I, it would just look like two big marbles. And I was like, "Oh, can I pick this up?" And then it like <laughs> came to life and started like coming after me with red eyes, and it was like equally as terrifying. <laughs> it's yeah. just been a spider. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it's not the look of the spider; it's the mentality of the spider that's the most terrifying at its core. Yeah. But I do, I do like that they have that as a feature. Like, yeah. it's right when you start, it's like, by the way, if you're scared of spiders, go ahead and head to the options menu and turn that sucker down. Yeah, nice- interestingly, that was like one of the only cuts they wanted us to make from our footage, or, or things to not include, was like that arachnophobia stuff because it was early, and they're still trying to figure yeah. out how to how to make it palatable to people, but any shade of it is still very eerie. Yeah. That's totally. one of those things where I just think, it must be like Fergus at the top, right? Head of the studio. Somebody in the studio at a high up position must be scared of spiders, because I think yeah. it's, a, it's an odd stance to be like, this is was, five alarm I mean, fire, was, this is a big deal. It was a big social media thing. Like, people were genuinely upset. They're like, I, this game looks cool, I, I really hate spiders, though. Really? And like, I don't, and it, it was, it became like a little bit of a meme you know, to a certain degree of people not wanting spiders in the game. So they responded. Interesting. Uh, hey, Charles Bean writes in and he says, what's up, bro Hemiths? Uh, I can't see how Microsoft can keep getting, can keep being profitable from Xbox Game Pass. Do you guys see it going away in the future or perhaps raising the price by a significant amount with all the games and features like xCloud being added? The future of Game Pass. And no one I think doing it's... those subscriptions is making any money, right? Netflix, Amazon yeah. Prime. It's like gonna, uh... they put way more money into getting people to use it than they get out of it, I feel like, at this point. Is that just kind of the Silicon Valley mentality that Microsoft is absorbing here? Just like, let's just get the users, we'll figure out all the other stuff later. Yeah, it's Uber, it's, you know, consoles selling at a loss, making it back in software sales. It's like, we need to charge this what people will pay for it, and then we get them in our ecosystem, and then we make money off them later. But I think they're not making money off it, and that's not their intent right now. I mean, how much is it a year, exactly? Like, how Dude. much are you paying a year for it? Because it's it's like a, a it's like around seventy or eighty, right? That sounds Which, about right. Like, if you're a normal Xbox three hundred and sixty gamer, like average, I think that's about how much you were spending on games every year. Like, mm-hmm. Microsoft might have been pumping that stuff out, but maybe you only bought Halo, or maybe you only bought Gears. Like, I. I haven't sat down and done the math, but it feels pretty sustainable to me. Like, I don't know. I, it, I, and I, I, I would imagine, I mean, Amazon's getting into the game, so maybe they're struggling with it a little bit, but like Netflix has to be making insane money at this point. I would, I would assume, right? You would assume. Uh, yes. I, <laughs> are you looking up profits right now, Leo? Yes. So it's uh 15 bucks a month, by the way, for ultimate on, uh, Okay. On everything here, and that is including the gold um, and everything there. I mean, every time Netflix has a big hit, they say, like, look, this is how many people had watched it. Now translate that number to if people had gone and seen it in theaters, which is yeah. totally one-to-one and a totally valid way. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everybody would have ran out to watch Palm <laughs> Springs in theaters. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. 50, million, 50 billion people watched that Kurt Russell Santa Claus movie. Can you imagine if we had released that in theaters? <laughs> Yeah, people would have been like they would have to blow out new windows on the sides of theaters just so people in the you know uh, parking lot can look through to see Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. At the at the same time though, that's still fifty billion people who are paying them you know ten dollars a month. Absolutely. So I think that's that's how it works. And well, it's more like a million people sharing accounts, but that's semantics. That is true. So I don't think you can do that with. I, I don't think you can get away with that with Game Pass though. And so, but but that is that is kind of the the 
hope that I have for why it would be sustainable because Netflix will drop, you know, $200 million on a movie. So why can't developers, you know, spend even, you know, much less than that on a game and then still make that profitable if or at least it's profitable for Microsoft. Yeah. I don't know. It will come down to what kind of deals they're making with third parties and stuff. But So to Charles's point, I mean, do you think they're going to be raising the price in the future? Do you think as it stands, it's going to be sustainable? I, I think, think it'll creep up over time, yeah. but sustainable, I think. Yeah. I, I think they'll they'll have to keep it where it is now, at least for the launch of the Xbox. I, I feel like you have to get the giant mass of people all subscribed to it first before you can start inching it up. Right. Also like the Netflix model. Yeah. Uh, Tom Blackburn writing says, I have a bold claim. The concept of replay value dies with Game Pass. Replay value contradicts the value of being able to play lots of games because any extra time spent in one game reduces the amount of time you can play another. Touche, Tom. So my question is, how else does Game Pass change game design in the future? It's tough. I guess just for first-party stuff, do you think there's any impact here? Yeah, I, I, I certainly appreciate that thought of his, but at the same time, that's how a developer gets you to actually also go out and buy the game once it leaves Game Pass. So I don't know that also, you know, still adding a bunch of replay value to your game exactly hurts it mm. from a developer's perspective. Right. How, do we have any insight into how a game is sort of rewarded for being on Game Pass? Like, do they get a bonus if a certain number of people play? Is it based on hours played? Is it is that not a factor at all? Is I mean, it just that a was, flat fee? It's the same debate as Apple Arcade, you know? Like, it seems like it was leaning towards hours played with Apple Arcade, but I don't know if that stuff has gotten out. It seems like it's just a big lump sum. Yeah. Kind of like I a, mean, it's... Uh, just thinking of Mintrax recently, uh, the most recent episode before Kato, Helgeson um, was talking about how streaming has changed the way artists produce albums. Yeah. Like now they are more interested in making longer songs and longer albums to beef up those play times. Right. Because that equates to profit for musicians now. The longer you listen to their albums on Spotify, the more money they make, you know, as, a, as one example. But I don't know if there's a similar factor with... Um, Game Pass. I know that with um, um, Leo, help me out. What was the streaming service? Um, on live, on live. They based uh, they based um, like money for the developers based on, on on hours played. Like they were able to work out that math. So right. like if that had become popular, it would have been really you know developers would have been encouraged to make longer and longer and longer and replayable well, good games. Good news because for developers, they already figured that out and are making every game 100 hours. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a good question, but I, I and I think it will change things, but I, it's hard to say how right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, it almost frees them up kind of the double fine idea of the reason Microsoft would want Double Fine is they have a lot of smaller games in their backlog. They're capable of, maybe after Psychonauts 2, uh, releasing a bunch of games that are just like, oh, new Double Fine game. It's reasonable to expect that once a year, you know, if they stay kind of in their Amnesia Fortnite-style split teams uh, project development. And so it's not game design necessarily, but I think it affects scope of games, where now it's sustainable to be like, oh, well, we'll just put it in the catalog and Game Pass. It'll be a nice, nice uh, bow in the quiver. Feather in the cap. There it is. Thank you. 
Anyways, Dylan Greenfield writes in and says, Hey guys, what next generation game has you the most impressed on a technical level? What I mean is, what game so far has made you think, Wow, they couldn't do this on PS4 or Xbox One? For example, the medium on the Xbox Series X is my choice. I just... I just Mine like is, a game being so impressive that it turns into Owen Wilson. <laughs> wow. That's what My, every publisher is looking for. Does Unreal Engine 5 count as a thing that we've I, seen? That's an interesting point. I guess we can count it. We probably shouldn't. But Not I a guess, game, but yeah. I guess the medium, if it works the way that, you know, that the trailers have worked, if it, if it can actually do that in real time. So just for good. yeah, a breakdown here. This is the Bloober Team horror game that seems very inspired by Silent Hill. I think they have the composer from Silent Hill working on it. It seems like you can shift between dimensions, a spooky one and a pristine one, or something like that. Yeah, which which their description on Xbox did did call that out specifically of of like solving dual reality puzzles or something like that. So. Yeah, um, but I mean, is it that crazy? I mean, we're doing that in Titanfall 2's campaign. Being able to yeah, switch yeah. between two and, environments. Yeah, but if it's the whole world, like yeah. fitting two game worlds, I guess, on a disc and being able to flip back and forth between them. Yeah. Maybe that's interesting. I'm, I mean, mine, for me, like, honestly, the, on, the only game that I've seen that I'm like, oh, I don't think that could be done on PlayStation 4 is Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, that's the one for me. Even yeah. though it's, like, graphically, it, it seems like it could work on a PS4. Like, the mechanics of jumping between dimensions immediately, like... That, that's the most impressive thing I've seen from PlayStation 5, personally. Yeah, absolutely. I like the idea of swinging faster in Spider-Man, like being able to stream a world in faster. Mm. That's yeah. Ooh. yeah. That'd be interesting. I mean, uh, but if it releases on PS4, maybe it won't. Maybe they'll keep it just for PS5, right? But maybe one of Miles' powers, he's just faster overall, and then that's based just on the tech of the PS5. That'd be a weird detail. Uh, Theodosius. Speaking of Kyle singing Hamilton, you want to kick it oh, off with this dear, one right now? Dear Thea, wait, they're writing to us, oh, so we're I not see. writing to Dear Thea. I Thea see. Uh, yeah. But anyways, they say console tribalism has been a thing for a long time. People getting excited over their consoles are all well and good, uh, but I feel like it generates a lot of negativities in a wider gaming community. As gaming journalists, what can you do to combat this, or should it be left alone? I think I you have to remind everyone that they're corporations. <laughs> Like, you know, like, I mean, sure, they're making stuff for the fans, but I mean, they're also making stuff for a profit. So, like, just keep that in mind. The thing we've been trying to do for many years that people don't seem to listen to, I I think it, I think it's more important on the community level, depending on what community you're part of, to kind of call out that kind of, those kind of arguments when you see them happen. And maybe that's, that's a very min-max specific answer, but I think our community is, is becoming more attuned to not shutting down, you know, conversations and opinions so quickly when when people voice something that maybe you don't disagree with. I think everyone has to kind of be more conscious about that. And I think that's one situation where you can call out that kind of behavior and be like, okay, you know, like you you like Xbox, good for you. You, you don't have to like crap on the Sony fans or vice versa. Right. I believe it's pronounced Sony ponies. Jeff, and that's oh, the Sony ponies! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's just cool. Who wouldn't <laughs> want to be a Sony pony? <laughs> oh boy! Look out, YouTube! Here we come. Uh, Chris writes in and says, "My question is about Cuphead coming to PS4. 
See, Chris is a very smart person, very well-researched, more researched than I am. Uh, they say, in an interview, Ben did a Game Informer a few years ago with uh, Marija, I forget her name, I'm sorry, from MDHR. When asked about exclusivity, she definitely answered that the game would be Xbox console exclusive forever. It's great that Switch and PS4 owners now get to play Cuphead, but do you have any idea what maybe could have changed after giving such a certain answer? Um, I don't remember her being that definitive, but uh, I have no idea. Oh, Kyle's leaning towards money. It's money. (laughs) But it's money in a twisted way, because I'm sure at that point it's just, hey, you have this deal with Microsoft. The messaging is this thing's a console exclusive. They know in the contract that it's timed, but they can't even hint at that idea that it is timed. So they just have to say, yeah, get it on Xbox. Yeah, it it could also be that at that point they had no interest in bringing it to other consoles like when you work on something for so many years maybe you're just like this is this is what our contract is we don't necessarily or the contract could have changed or microsoft could have said hey you know what we we don't care at this point go ahead but like i I don't think they were lying at the time i think it was you know xbox exclusive at the time but the contract changed and microsoft was more open to other platforms contract changed is your theory that seems nuts why? We change our contracts here at Midmax every three months. Like it's not that weird. <laughs> I, wait, you really think like a game like Cuphead, the contract is like it's going to expire? It seems like you just the deal would be here's a contract that's going to no, have. I, I think I think Microsoft. I think Microsoft have changed. Yeah, I think Microsoft's priorities have changed, and they went to Studio MDHR and be like, "Hey, this was an element of the contract. We're avoiding that now. You, you guys are welcome to release it on other platforms if you'd like." Why would Microsoft do that? Because money. They Who's pushing them? The Who's people, paying? They're, they're publishing it. They published it on Switch. Really? Yeah. I. You don't think they get a cut of that PlayStation 4 sales? I don't know. I think they give it to charity. <laughs> That's a smart idea. Hang on. So really, so even like the PS4 version of Cuphead on is published by Microsoft still? I don't know about that, but it never occurred to me that Microsoft wouldn't be getting some portion of that money. I did not think they were. They must. Uh, do you think? If yeah, you I mean, work at the studio game. MDHR, please write in and let us know. Yeah, send us the contract so we can look over yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think it's more likely that it's just timed exclusive and in the contract it says you are not allowed to mention the fact that this is timed. So after hmm. this number I, of I, years. I, I, I swear I saw another PC Gamer article where they specifically said it's never coming out to PS4. Hmm. That I, is I don't, weird. I don't know if that was a direct quote or if, or if they were just spinning that off of their own speculation from something else. But Bizarre. But did anybody watch that uh, Jeff Keighley announcement of Cuphead coming to PS4? Uh, no, I watched the trailer, though. The trailer's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a different type of uh, animation. It's like stop motion, which is cool. Um, but yeah, uh, God, I wish I could remember her name because she was so nice and she sent us so many things for Extra Life. But Marija Moldenhauer, um, she was interviewed by Jeff Keighley and they were talking about the Cuphead DLC. Lady Chalice, is that what it's called? Um, I believe so, yeah. And they have just been mum on that for years since they announced it. And the way she was talking about it, she was framing it very much like, well, we're not ready to say anything yet, but we're, we really want fans to be surprised when they see it again. And so I think somebody in, wrote in about it a while ago, but it seems like it's hinting towards that idea of when they show new Cuphead stuff, that DLC will have kind of morphed into its own game or Cuphead 2 at this point. It seems like it's ticking mm. that way with her trying to save this big announcement, whatever it could be for this DLC that we've already maybe, seen. Like a Hollow maybe, Knight situation. 
Yeah. Maybe Microsoft made the exclusive rights for Cuphead 2, and part of the negotiation was that they could release Cuphead 1 on other platforms. Ooh, mm. now there's a good idea. I'm reading that uh, it was Microsoft who approached that team about making the Switch version, for sure. From, from uh, a and, rumor tweet. And to put the, my foot in my mouth, uh, Microsoft did not publish it on Switch. It's a self-published game. And uh. I believe it's self-published on Xbox as well. So my theory is less valid. Gotcha. <laughs> but I still think I still think they're involved in some way. I still think they get some money from that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Leo, actually at GDC, I talked to, um, was it Jared over there from that studio about that idea of how the whole thing happened? Um, and it was Nintendo... Let's see. Kirk Scott from Nintendo at the time said, hey, we're always trying to get the best content on the platform so it's organic, like, quote, hey, this would be a great idea. Then somebody at Microsoft says, hey, we think this would be a great idea too. Then they talk to those guys and it just happens. (laughs) So there was a Nintendo standpoint on how that happened. So it's just people talking, man. Business is loose. (laughs) Business is cool. Uh, Henrik Jacobson says, hey, Ben and the cohorts, what is... I love this question. I think we've had it before, but it's very fun. Hey, Ben and the Cohorts, what is the biggest game franchise you have never even touched? I got to thinking about this during the Xbox presentation when I realized I've never played a single second of Halo. Growing up, my friends uh, and me all just mostly Nintendo and PlayStation consoles. The only friend I had with an Xbox only bought it to play DOA Extreme Beach Volleyball. Well, we all make mistakes. Um, Okay, biggest franchise in the world that you've never touched for a second. No other control. Kyle, My, I feel like mine's pretty big, but it's uh, Warcraft. I never, was, never played World of Warcraft. Never touched any of the RTSs. What? Oh, that's. Yeah. I was going to say World of Warcraft, but I've at least played Warcraft three. Yeah, Kyle, that's stunning. 3. Don't like RTSs. Don't like MMOs. Well, someday you'll learn to fix half that equation. <laughs> also, <laughs> I've I've never touched League of Legends, which yep. is probably bigger than. Is it bigger than World of Warcraft at this point? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got to be, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Um, I, I, I think League of Legends is probably my answer as well. It's super exciting. I remember trying MOBAs, but I think it was just like Dota 2 relatively early on. I guess I could look into my account history, but oh, yeah, I don't think I've ever touched League of Legends, which has to be number one. But, you know, franchise is a tricky thing. It's fun to think about the big gaming things that have been around for longer. Yeah, that's tough. I've barely touched The Witcher. I played 30 minutes of The Witcher 2, and that's it. Disqualified, ma'am. That's like yeah, as much as Obama played back when he got that copy when he visited Poland. <laughs> um, uh, another one that sold a bunch. I wanted to say FIFA, but I had a FIFA game for Game Gear. Pro Evo, I've never touched. Uh, okay. Here's one that has sold a gazillion copies. Uh, WWE 2K, like the wrestling games, I don't think I've ever touched a single one of those. I th- I played some N64 ones with friends, but that's it. Yeah. Actually, ooh. Yeah, maybe just outside of 2K. I don't know if I ever have touched a wrestling game now that I think about it. Yeah. Oh. I just love Def to Jam? dabble. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. This is You dabble all your life, you have a good time, then Hendrick Jacobson comes with this wham-bammer of a question. <laughs> Uh, Total War I've never touched which seems like it should be roughly in my wheelhouse Uh, and I don't know if I've played any Counter-Strike really Mm. yeah there's a chance that I've never actually booted up a game but I think I've played the Xbox 
or Xbox 360 version for like five minutes. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, maybe original yeah, that Xbox. Xbox one. That was a big deal. That was like Rod Ferguson, I think, was right. Like he yep. got that. To, that was a big deal at the time. I remember. Like I remember playing that with friends because we're like, this game doesn't belong on consoles, but here it is. <laughs> Look at it. Yeah. Um, any other ones? I played every other game. Yeah, yep. same here, man. Uh, there's stuff I guess Shin Megami Tensei, but I've played Persona, you know, so like that one is yeah. relevant recently. Eh. Farming the Simulator. The one I played the most is actually Nocturne, which is the one that's getting remade soon, which is funny. What's that? The one I've played the most is actually Nocturne, which is getting remade soon, which is oh, funny. Oh, that's the that's one that's going to be on that Switch? Oh, that's yeah. cool. It's kind of like Pokemon. You'd like it. Uh, I probably would. Uh, Tim Laro says, hey, today I have a wholly original idea for a game I like to call where's that colon Colon. (laughs) just simply say where the colon is for each ps4 game uh the answer up your butt is an immediate disqualification tim come on they were better than this um it's funny because this is close to the colon game i was looking for except it's just where is the colon in this name i was i was thinking it would be is there a colon in this game or not but Tim, uh, Tim has a oh, no, more I like specific this. twist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, Leo. Ghostbusters. I couldn't get used to this. Okay. <laughs> Ghostbusters, the video game remastered. Where's that colon? Wow. After Ghostbusters. Correct. Easy layup out of the gate. Jeff. Um, I thought it might have been a trick. Yeah. Lego Marvel superheroes. Where's that colon? <laughs> I'm going to say after Marvel. I'm sorry. There is no colon in Lego oh, Marvel. Oh, come on. Superheroes. I didn't know there were trick oh, questions in here. That was going to be an option. It's an yeah. option. Uh, I like to keep all these rules secret. I think it makes games yeah. more fun. That's Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, Guile. Fun. NASCAR Heat Evolution. <laughs> uh, after NASCAR, before Heat, sir. Incorrect. No colon in NASCAR. Oh. Leo. Persona 5 there's, Royal. There's Where's no that colon at all? What's that? Yeah, where was it? There was no oh, colon it, in Kyle's either? No. Really? No colon in NASCAR. I'm right. going to say it. No, there's no colon. Persona in, 5 Royal. Correct. No colon in Persona 5 Royal. Jeffum, Persona 5 dancing all night. Uh, after five. Correct. There is okay. a colon dancing, dancing all night. I, I was I was waiting for it to be like after all <laughs> and not night. Oh right, these, these are tough. All right, Kyle, no joke. Star Trek Bridge Crew. Where's that colon? You can phone a friend. Uh I don't think that one has a colon. It does have a colon after Trek. Leo oh. Vader. Star Wars Episode One Racer. Where's that colon? That's uh, hmm. After one. After one. Okay. Wait, Jeff, really? Um, I yeah. thought it was colon Episode One M Dash Racer. No? no colon Racer. Wow. Okay. Jeff, um, Yakuza yeah. Kiwami. Yakuza. No colon. No colon is incorrect. There is a colon after Yakuza. Kyle, grand finale, Yakuza Kiwami 2. (laughs) No colon. No colon in Yakuza Kiwami 2. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. You get the idea. That's good. Thank you, Tim. 
Um, my name is Dan. Says, hey team, are there any games that have given you extreme goosebumps before? The last games I recall giving me goosebumps are Undertale and The Outer Wilds. They both, in their unique ways, had this effect on me by having me experience sequences that blew my mind by revealing significant information that was not thought possible to exist before, or completely altering reality itself. Last game to give you goosebumps. For me, it was The Outer Wilds as well. Really? The first time I was just, I was stranded out in space, and the loop ended before I suffocated, and actually, like, seeing the loop end was an incredible moment oh god was that one of your favorite games last year definitely yeah it was on my top 10 do you remember where it was at seven maybe mm. in that so zone. if you would have been with us last year you probably could have gotten it on the the list of the two tens i would have a return of the obra din also had a lot of goosebumps moments Ooh, mm. yeah yeah that's good uh this is so dumb and specific but in amplitude on ps4 there is a song dalatect which i believe is the 14th song of that soundtrack there is a moment in that song that gives me goosebumps every time I play it. It just annihilates me. It's one of my favorite moments of the generation. It's just like this moment where there's like a narrative to that game and the music in that game, which is a little bit dopey, but it's about somebody in a coma. And then it's just like this moment where it all slows down and it's very specific. Look, I'll have you guys all play it at some Are point. Are you about but to cry? Hansen? Yeah, it's just this transcendent moment in this song. And every time I play it, it hits me so hard. It's very good. It's Anyways. Cool. Um, I mean, Tet- Tetris Effect had that. I was going to yeah. say Tetris Effect as well. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Probably... That should be back uh, the in the other... box. If you're able to get a goosebump <laughs> out of somebody. The other quick one for me is uh, in Inside when you get pulled underwater. I don't know yeah. if you guys remember that part specifically. It's really drawn out and long. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Sean Jeezy, do it easy. He's back again. He says, hey, Double M's. Hope all is well with you and yours. Thank you. Uh, so this Skater XL, could this be the skating game that sets the bar for a realistic sim? It seems like this year is the year of skateboard games. Uh, Sessions, Tony Hawk, Skatebird. Uh, skateboarding fans have a lot to embrace. Now, the official 1.0 version of Skater XL is somewhat shallow, but with their plans to expand with more maps, mods, and multiplayer, could this be one of the best skate games for years to come? Plus, it's only $40. What do you think about it? P.S. My Mimnax stickers and two shirts arrived last week. They are dope as hell. Thank you so much, Sean. Two shirts! Um, <laughs> Skater XL. What do you think of this thing, Leo? Uh, I like it a lot. I think if $40 seems about right for it, it kind of feels like half a game in some ways. Like, the it controls great. It's a lot yeah. like Skate, but even a little more complicated as far as each thumbstick is always your left and right foot, respectively. And it's very precise and it feels good, but the, there's no story. It's like you can kind of go in the menu and do challenges on each of the maps that are just like do this trick over this gap or do eventually be doing lines of like do this trick over this gap right into this trick over this gap and it's kind of just essentially teaching you how to do all the tricks in the game is kind of the gameplay beyond just enjoying the free skating and just doing your own lines and that's even in 1.0 because in early access i noticed it's pretty stripped down too also no music in early access do you know if that's changed there's music now yeah it's got a soundtrack uh but I, i mean i think it feels great and i could definitely see them like maybe getting bought or something Mm. making a skater xxl for game pass that has a story mode because it feels like a really it feels like just the free roam uh you know options and skate i mean yeah honestly why doesn't ea just do what happened with the golf club where 2k was like hey that's now pga tour like, shouldn't the skate team at EA just be like, yeah, we'll just take Skater XL and build on that. And ta-da, 
I mean, it'd be a good move, right? Yeah, for sure. It's interesting, though, some of the animations and the general, like, glitchiness of it feels worse than Skate 3, which is interesting for a 10-year-old game, but obviously massively different teams. But it's so almost there, and, like, the physics are way better. It's just the animations are a little more rigid. So I feel like if they just had bigger budget, bigger team, they could do something really cool. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Salmeron, Salmerillion says, Hey, Max Crew, quick question. If genres were to become console exclusives. Did you guys hear about this? Mm. So genres are now console exclusive. Uh, who gets what and why? To make the discussion easier, let's define it as PlayStation, Switch, Xbox, and PC. So which genre is now exclusive to So Nintendo to gets system? platformers. Yep, correct. Sony gets third-person action. Oh, that's a pretty With broad climbing. one. Gotta have climbing. Linear third-person action. Honestly, I think you can just give them the full third-person action. You can okay. give them action-adventure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. PC, PC gets, gets first-person shooters. Ooh. Okay. And Sims? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> All right. And Xbox gets? Game Pass. <laughs> That's the genre now, right? Um, I... I, I Without PC, I actually would have gone first-person shooter on Xbox because for whatever reason, I, I think of Halo and Call of Duty as Xbox experiences, but I mean, I can't take that away from PC. Like yeah, that. that'd be just rude. Okay, so, d- okay, what about this? What about third-person action-adventure PlayStation gets, but third-person cover <laughs> Xbox gets? <laughs> Is that too fine a distinction? Uh, I mean, where does Uncharted fit there? I mean, there ain't, no one's using cover in Uncharted. Well, it's just whether covers a button or not. Right. Like, all these games have cover. Yeah, yeah. What does Microsoft get? There's got to be something good. Cover games with a button. Okay, racing games. Racing. Trivia. Trivia (laughs) racing. Please enjoy your Xbox Series X. (laughs) HQ2 is going to be a doozy. Uh, Nathan Wallach. There we go. Nathan Wallach says, outside of the occasional leak, it's often difficult to predict what Nintendo will do next. So rather than engage in that often futile endeavor, what will the big N definitely not do in the coming years? I love this question. So um, just build out their virtual console, <laughs> like with Wii and GameCube and N64 titles. Not doing that. Yeah. Uh, they won't be releasing uh, their games on other platforms. Because even, That's even iPhone mobile is was kind of a bust, and I think they're backing away from that even. Yeah. Uh, really? Not not saving their information on computers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to papyrus. Uh, Leo, I mean, would you? Let's just boil this down with Nathan. Let's say the next two years, would you bet over a thousand dollars they would not release N sixty four games on Switch? Uh, currently, no. I would not bet that amount of money on that. Okay, I'd say a hundred dollars. Well, I mean, we got to be ironclad for Nathan here. Sorry, Nathan. I put my wedding ring on the line. <laughs> uh, I mean, at this point, they're just going to remake N64 games, right? Like, I don't know. Like, there's that rumored Nintendo bundle, which Mario 64 could conceivably All Stars 2, yeah. Um, Let's see. They won't for sure film a tour of their new headquarters. That'll never happen. Did I say uh, new? Miyamoto won't acquire a Twitter account. Ah, very good, very good. Nintendo business. AJ, uh, 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 why can't I think of his name? Aonuma. AJ Onuma 
He might. He might consider it. Wow. That'd be move. <laughs> I'm confident they will not release a duck hunt game in the next two years. A little violent. A little much. Those ducks didn't deserve that. Um, it's fun, though, because it makes you question everything about Nintendo. Like, would anybody be confident saying Nintendo will not release a new handheld, dedicated handheld in the next two years? Oh, God. <laughs> no. I and was, was going to say they, they, well, won't stop, they won't stop making consoles. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's two years, though. That's the question there, I guess. I think you're right. Will they make a new console that's not like you know switch xl within two years i bet I don't not think so oh yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say that but not rumors including. are gonna classic be bubbling what's that leo not including classic stuff like a game boy all in one oh yeah i would i would treat that as a separate thing yeah. all right uh jacob schmidt here is a good one he says hello min max crew hello hello jacob Here's a little game I came up with. Below are some memorable character names from somewhat recent games. Can you remember where you've heard that name before? Jeffum? Joseph Ready. Seed. What game is that from? Oh, God. Um, Leo, please keep it down. Sorry. Uh, well, the fact that you guys all jumped on it, I'm going to say Red Dead. Here's another hint. I believe you reviewed this game. Oh, damn it. Far Cry. Yeah. <laughs> I knew Far it. Far Cry 5. Uh, okay, yeah. now everybody can jump I, in. I didn't, I didn't actually review Far Cry 5, though. That oh. was Jeff Cork. Oh, that was Jeff Cork. But I played it. through it with him. So There we go. Uh, Kyle Crane, the main character from a game. The main character? A game that last week Leo said, well, i got to give a tip of the cap to this one. Honorable mention just because of my boy Kyle Crane. Oh boy. I have no idea what this is. That is the protagonist for Dying Light. Oh. Because oh. he climbs on cranes. <laughs> mm. I'm sorry, yeah, it's Climb Crane. It was his name. I mispronounced <laughs> yeah. it. Climb old crane. Uh, Shay... That's what my parents almost named me. That was going to be my other name. <laughs> Climb. Shay Patrick Cormack. Oh. Ooh. Oh, I'm right there what, with that. Are, really? Are we all are we all signing like we can all all I mean, buzz this, in? Isn't, this is a Red Dead, isn't it? Shay? No, it's the main character no. in a game. Oh, are these all main characters? No. Okay. Assassin's Creed. I need more information. Assassin's Creed, the London one. <laughs> I'm sorry, it is not the London one. <laughs> What's that uh, one called, guys? The Assassin's Russian Black one. Flag? It's not Black Flag, but you're so warm. The Russian oh. one. No, it's not Assassin's the Assassin's Ro- Creed Rogue? Rogue, there we yeah. go. Isn't that the, I thought that was in Russia. Rogue? No. Yeah. Where is it? There's like Arctic like, prove and stuff. Him wrong, it's Hansen. no. It's in the. Yeah. Prove me. Prove me. It's wrong. in the American Northeast. It's like the rogue, the river and stuff. Yeah. Okay. What Russian one are you, you talking about? Is that like the two D one? I mean, I thought. I. You know what? I think there was like a comic that was. Uh, oh, okay. Here we go. I, yeah, I, I think I actually rogue. I was right. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. This is. Oh, I've pushed my glasses so far up my nose I've gone off my head. Alright, this is the villain in a game, and her name is Delilah Copperspoon. Mm, hey there, Delilah. I don't know if anybody played this game, which is a good game. Uh, oh no. I'll rip off the band-aid quick. That's Dishonored 2's villain. Uh, uh, okay, this is the main character. Wait, Shit. hold on, Hanson. Yeah. I pulled up the Rogue Wikipedia page, and yeah. I did a Command-F for the word Russia? Yeah. 
And nothing. I didn't get any results. <laughs> get out of town. <laughs> I'm going to fall out of my seat with that news, Kyle. Uh, all right. Main character, and his name is Chase McCain. Oh, boy. This sounds so familiar. Yeah. It's a very good name. It's the perfect name. What is it uh, uh, Lego City? Yeah, Lego City Undercover. Hey. Way to go. Way go. to go. Uh, okay, this is the main character, Sebastian Castellanos. Oh, Evil, the evil Dead. The Evil Within. Wow. Oh. There we go. There we go. Finally on the tip of a tongue. Uh, and <laughs> all right, this is a villain named Jonathan Irons. Uh, Call of Ghost Duty. Recon. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Yeah! And he's nice. played by... Kevin Spacey. History's greatest villain. <laughs> Ready to go. Uh, thank you for writing in uh, with that one, Jacob Schmidt. That was fun. That was um, good. Let's see. Uh, ben wrote in and says, Hanson, can you explain what a snow cave is? Yeah. Okay, so I tweeted this out. Um, it was confusing. So I was in Seattle over the weekend, and I went on this hike. Like, hang on. Leo's going to roll his eyes into the microphone. And here it goes. <laughs> Sounds great. So I went on this hike. <laughs> Uh, it's called Lake 22. It's like an hour outside of Seattle. But it was awesome because it's like this long hike uh, up to this beautiful mountain lake. It's just beautiful blue, you know. And then there's snow on the far side of the lake. And it was awesome because there's like water coming from a waterfall trickling through the snow. And so it like had carved out this kind of like natural snow cave that was like curling around. And so I took a picture of that and tweeted it out. But I did just call it a snow cave, and I think people were confused about that. But Yeah, I, I saw that, and I liked that because I knew you you were going up to Seattle to meet your girlfriend's family. And mm. it was like, oh, here's Hanson hiding in a snow cave. Instead. Well, first I watched the Xbox games presentation, and right. then I went and hid in a snow cave uh, with my <laughs> best three friend days. Wamba. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Felix Davin says, hello, Max. What would have been the most surprising and most futuristic moment of these two for you the first time you played Wii Sports or the first time you played Beat Saber what felt more surprising and futuristic Wii Sports uh, Wii Sports futuristic though I think I think specifically the first time because once you play it more you start to realize like oh it's this little gesture is what's making this tennis racket swing it's not really tracking it that good right. but like when you're being also, introduced it, it's, to it it's like yeah. wow this is revolutionary they should but call also, revolution. The, also the bowling was still mind-blowing yeah, like yeah the, bo- the bowling was the one that still felt like it was the actual sport i guess the I don't tennis remember. you could see through but yeah i don't, beat saber I, was like the first thing in vr maybe but i think that's I think the distinguishing yeah, factor there that's a yeah, great point like, if, like i had played a bunch of vr and then beat saber felt like a, oh this is this is what we were building towards. Like, this feels like a really good use of this technology. But yeah, I mean, play, the first time I ever u- had a Wii remote in my hand, I, I was like, this changes everything. Like, I really felt like I was witnessing a video game revolution. You I know? threw my own controllers in the, it trash. the revolution. That would have been really smart. <laughs> yeah. Leo, I just want to throw out that I think they should have called that the revolution. Jeff, <laughs> your thoughts? Yeah, go with Revolution. <laughs> there it That's is. It. We're agreed. <laughs> also, I never played Beat Saber, which is why I said Beat Sports. Oh, so. You should. Get out of here. No, I'm not going to get a quest. That. Tactical Dreamer says, hello, friends. This is maybe a little late, but on the last episode of season one of Photo Mode Snap, you asked what game has the most detailed moon. And I think that the answer is Borderlands, the pre-sequel. So, yeah. That's a oh. good point. Yeah. Didn't I, I said Destiny, I think, right? Didn't I? Oh, yeah. But... Eh, Still I mean, a good answer, though. Better well, looking but, moon is in Destiny, but maybe more detail and stuff in there. It's probably yeah. pre sequel. 
how's there more detail though it's a bigger space more nooks and crannies more buildings yeah like on the moon see more of it buildings on the moon jeffem jeffem seems unconvinced Which, by the way, uh, we are streaming a new episode of Fun About Snap, a bonus episode all about Ghost of Tsushima. That's going to be Thursday at 3 p.m. Central, and then it'll be on the YouTube channel on Friday, so you can look forward to that. It's a fun bonus thing that, you know, uh, Fun About Snap is like a limited thing, but I think James Smith in particular in the community was like, you should just bring it back for big games every now and then. And that seems like a good idea. You know, we'll see how this goes. But I'm excited to see all those uh, ghost uh, photos there. All right, Taylor Owens wants to know, which of these games do you think will release first? Uh, Kyle, will Metroid Prime 4 or Bayonetta 3 release first? Oh, Bayonetta 3, I think. I think that's correct. Uh, yeah. Yes, correct. Um, <laughs> Leo, yeah. Bioshock 4 or Skate 4? Skate 4. Okay. Oh, Jeff, um, here's a quiz for you. See how well you remember a couple months ago. Which game will release first? Project Athia or Pragmata? <laughs> Okay, flip a coin. Uh, Project Athea. Do you remember what those are? Hell no. So, well, a- <laughs> is Pragmata even a game? Yeah, that was that Capcom cool one that oh, had the moon I, on it. Remember? I th- I thought we were talking. I th- what is the um? There was remember that Square Enix next gen demo of like the woman in the cathedral Agnes philosophy. That's what I was thinking. I was like, one of those isn't even a game, <laughs> right? Right. But yeah, that yes, this this makes a lot more sense now that I know all the details. Uh. Leo, Starfield or Dragon Age 4? Dragon Age 4. <sighs> I don't think Starfield is anything right now. You think it's just it's just literally a Starfield screensaver? It's a screensaver, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kyle, Breath of the Wild 2 or Horizon Forbidden West? Uh, you know, I would have said Horizon Zero Dawn 2 before the PS5 reveal, but now I'm going to go Breath of the Wild 2. Really? Yeah. Because they just said 2021 for Forbidden West. Yeah. So I think you still Breath of the Wild is closer than than that. Do you think it's going to be March Maybe. 2021? Yeah. I, I, f- I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. I think it could be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll give myself one. Final Fantasy Remake Part 2 or Fable? I think Fable for sure. Really? Wait, you don't? No, I think remake part two is like they've they're probably they've they're well into development. They have a lot of the assets already created. Like well, no, they, they don't. don't. I think it's for they have you don't assets think so? for Midgar created, but they got to make a whole bunch of other stuff. And, and they also you think they have to make a new cloud and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I bet they will for new gen. I'm sure it'll be remodeled in a big way. Yeah, and didn't yeah. I? I remember seeing a headline where they said like we're gonna start ramping up on episode two now. It was like what the hell like. You guys weren't you weren't doing that concurrently while you were finishing up the last one? Yeah, their messaging is very confusing. But yeah, I think I think Fable is going to be maybe next year. Just given right. Playground's uh, production line there. Uh Jeffum, <laughs> it's your favorite. Hellblade 2 or Elden Ring? Hellblade. <laughs> That's Elden right, Ring's Elden never Ring's, coming out. That's right. It's not a real thing. Wait, have we played this exact yep. game before? <laughs> I don't know. No. I mean, they announced that they're updating Sekiro in October, so I guess it take they got to work on that for the next couple months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Leo, I love this one. Avowed or Elder Scrolls Six? Uh, Avowed. I think for sure yeah. Avowed. Yeah, especially if Starfield is going to take forever and then they're getting to Six after that, even though they have, what, three or four different studios that are going to be working on that thing? Is Bethesda um, doing a faux E3 this year? No. Yeah, you'd think they would say something about Elder Scrolls Six for all the good PR they need right now. If they had anything, I think they would be hitting us with it. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to think of like their messaging this year, and it's like, okay, Doom Eternal's out the door. They were able to jump into the PlayStation stream to talk about Deathloop. And so, like, yeah, maybe... That maybe game looks cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and Kyle, for the grand finale, Beyond Good and Evil 2 or Star Citizen? <laughs> well, wow. you can play Star Citizen right now, <laughs> technically. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Star Citizen. Actually. All right. Uh, White Mex writes in and has a game that's a bunch of fictional video games from media. Your job is to figure out if this is a fake game name from The Simpsons or somewhere else from another <laughs> TV show or movie. Uh, okay. My Dinner with Andre, the video game. Jeff, um, what do you think that is? Is that Simpsons, Simpsons. or something? That is Simpsons, correct. Uh, Leo, a video game called Escape from Grandma's House. <laughs> Not Simpsons. I'm sorry, that is Simpsons. That's season two, episode one. Bart get Bart gets an F. Uh, Kyle, Leo gets an F. No, no. kidding. Hero's Duty. Hero's Duty. Mm-hmm. That is from Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, way to go, Kyle. Uh, let's see, Jeffum, Ninja yeah. Ninja Revolution. Something else. Yep. Yes. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Scott Pilgrim, way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Leo, Disemboweler 4. Simpsons. <laughs> that is Simpsons. That's right. Homer Badman. I believe he said Impsons. Oh, he so. did. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I Jeff like um, that show's way better. <laughs> Jeff, um, uh, a game called Stickball. Simpsons. That is Simpsons. What about a game, Kyle, called Wiffle Boy? <laughs> Wiffle Boy? <laughs> I don't guess Simpsons? I don't know. That's Darkwing Duck. Oh! <laughs> Thank you. What an interesting game, White Max. What an interesting little one. <laughs> like one. Uh, yeah. Mick Manga says, Hello, cohorts. My question, why do so many games have a similar genre released in the same year? For myself, I love sim games, and boy, does 2020 deliver. Rune Factory 4 Special, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town, Harvest Moon, One World. Will I play them all? You betcha. But it did make me wonder how so many similar games from three different developers all launched around each other. Uh, market research. Do yeah, you think? Look, look, at, look at three years before all those games came out and find the one concentrated one that did well, and everyone said, hey, we need to make one of those. Yeah, I guess that's Stardew it was Valley. Stardew Valley, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. That's where they got the idea for Animal Crossing, I think. <laughs> that's where they got the idea to make an Animal Crossing sequel. <laughs> that's right, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, but that happens in movies too, where it's like, yeah, maybe market research for some reason, companies just all agree that this is where the money is right now, like with the Prestige and the Illusionist. Yeah, and yeah. all the uh, the Yeti movies. There were like three <laughs> abominable snowman movies one year. It's my favorite <laughs> subgenre. The Yeti films. Oh. That should be a deepest dive. Movies about Yetis. <laughs> I've seen Carrie them all. Let's do it. There we go. Yeah, they talked about that on the latest episode of Refreshed with Ana Diaz. Actually, they talked about like the confusing situation of the Road to El Dorado being released by DreamWorks, but then Jeffrey Katzenberg, who led the animation there at DreamWorks, he left. Disney as they were making Emperor's New Groove and so it's that confusing thing of his he's like well you know what the next big cash cow is South America we <laughs> mined Africa with Lion King time to move on anyways hey Mason writes in and says hello from uh, South Dakota 
Hi. That's where you can become legend, as the billboards tell me. Um, mm-hmm. I was really excited when you were talking about old RPGs last week, and I thought I was going to hear mention of my favorite, The Legend of Dragoon, but oh well. We will never mention The Legend of Dragoon. Anyways, my question is, with the new consoles having a launch version with no disk drive, do you think companies are going to have to start changing their collector's editions of games since there's a possibility that more and more people will need digital copies instead of hard copies? Is that a good question? Oh. You know... I don't think it will because I think even if you if you want a collector's edition of a game, I think the disc, even if you don't use it, is still considered like part of that value. But that's I, that's really interesting, though. I think that is a really good question. Do you think the discs you just want it on a shelf? Just yeah. Do you mm. think they'll include digital it, codes? I bet um, they will. That seems like the easy. They just doubling do up on bit. that. Do they? Yeah. But I mean, if you're if you want to collect something, like it, like you want. You would like to have a boxed version of the game, even if, like, you end up downloading it or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like, I own... I like Limbo a lot. I own, like, the collector's edition of Limbo on PC, but I've never taken the disc out of the box, you know? Yeah, it's almost like... <gasps> the cool collector's oh, okay, edition of Inside on PS4 you can get for my M8 bit, right? Yeah, exactly. But, they, I, but, I, but that they is a good point, include, though. I think so. They wouldn't include both a disc and a code, though, Yeah, that right? seems like overkill. Yeah. I, so I can well, see them shifting to, like, bigger statues and then just including the code and calling it good. They do that a little bit now. Like, they're, I've bought games where I open the box and there's just a code in there, you know? Yeah, and a moth like flies out. Borderlands was for <laughs> Switch. I think if you buy the Borderlands or Bioshock bundle, I think Bioshock 1 is on a cartridge, and then you get a code for Bioshock 2 and Infinite. Yeah. So Which bizarre. Is like weird. Uh, Joe Dean writes in and says, Hey, everybody, do you think that in the universe of The Last of Us, people still eat mushrooms? Or do you think that cordyceps have made people so afraid of fungus that they won't touch the stuff? Maybe they're only put on pizza or mushroom and Swiss burgers? Please, I need the answer. Let me t- put it this way. We still drink Coronas. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, do we. <laughs> Clink. Clink. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version, we're all drinking Coronas throughout every episode of the Midnight yes. Show. We all click it explains that. a lot. <laughs> uh. um, I, think, I think they do. They must. If they have any food in the world of The Last of Us, they will eat it. It's better than, you know, yeah. sucking on some duct tape or whatever <laughs> option number two is. <laughs> Plus, but keeping it, you know, a little vague here. There is a scene in The Last of Us Part Two where you're in an environment that has, like, an old painting of a mushroom on the wall, and they're like, what a weird effed up place. I'm like, oh, no, I guess back then mushrooms were cool. <laughs> there were fantastical <laughs> places you could build a little house in. Um, how often do you think about The Last of Us Part Two, Jeff? Still quite a bit. Yeah. I still listen to a lot of spoilers. Uh, sorry, spoiler casts about it. It's interesting to unpack everybody else's thoughts, and, you know, I think that Neil Druckmann over at Naughty Dog has done a really good job of being really transparent in a lot of the spoiler cast interviews, especially from, you know, a studio as guarded as, as Sony. I thought he's really, he's kind of taken the Ryan Johnson path of like, yeah, there's a lot of controversy about Last Jedi, but I'm going to just be as transparent as possible talking about how he made these decisions, all of the stupid ideas along the way, because, yeah, I think Last of Us Part Two is brilliant, but then you hear a lot of those early ideas and it's like, oh boy, they were close to blowing it. Don't do those things, you know, but yeah. eventually it works itself out. Um, Nick L, Nick from Atlanta says, hello, cohorts. I'd love to hear your thoughts on a hypothetical that he saw on Twitter. Leo, you can pick two of the following and they will defend you, but the rest are coming to kill you. Right. Your choices are 10 alligators, three bears, seven bulls, five gorillas, 50 hawks, one human, four lions, 10,000 rats, 
and there are 15 wolves. So you can pick two, and they will defend you, but the rest are Does a human have a gun or anything? It just says human. But isn't the human mind uh, the most dangerous weapon? All, yeah, it's going to outsmart five gorillas. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You climb and a tree. all the other ones are coming to kill you? Yes. I would go five but, gorillas and the wolves. Fifteen wolves? Fifteen wolves. I think yeah, that's, I think that's really good. I was leaning gorillas, too. They're mean Rats, I want to believe, would work, but they just get stomped on and ignored, I think. Plus, it'd be like an RTS and like the pathing issues of the rats. They'd all be like jammed <laughs> up in a corner somewhere or something. At the same time, though, do you want 10,000 rats coming at you? Like, what are gorillas going to do? <laughs> well, I can handle the rats. Those rats. You're going to stomp on 10,000 rats. Yeah, get my boots out. <laughs> <laughs> Get my stomping boots ready. Well, I guess Go you could town. like you could Ugh. run to the nearest body of water, and then the rats couldn't well, get you. I'm on one of the gorilla's shoulders, oh, and the gorilla go. loves you. Flag. Yeah. Then you have to listen to the gorilla <laughs> slowly being eaten to death by rats. Better him than you. Better yeah. him than you. You don't have to. Yeah, be you're next. Sorry, Kyle. loser. <laughs> You just have to outrun one of the gorillas, really, is all you have to do, and the rats will take care of it. By the way, Hanson, you, you had a real Bob Duca from Comedy Bang Bang vibe going there, reading all those. Oh, really? Scott Ackerman's stepdad. Rats. Ten oh, gorillas. Five also, elephants. can you outrun a gorilla? No. Um, no. God, no. <laughs> no. I think I can. Okay, you try it. How fast can a gorilla run, Google? Also, this is the weird thing of podcasting with a computer now it's just welcome to the google cast how fast do you think a gorilla can run 40 miles uh, an hour 40 35. miles an hour <laughs> how fast can bears run like 30 yeah aren't like leopards like 60 so that's like the apex so well I'd cheetah like 30 a oh, cheetah gorilla's yeah. got human feet plus human hands and they use them all to run so twice as mm-hmm. fast as us at least that's true uh okay leo just for a frame of reference a polar bear can run at 25 miles per hour so what's that gorilla at? 30. 20. <laughs> 20 to 25. Okay. Now, but how fast can they <laughs> swing? <laughs> That's a good point. And they look really cool. And how fast can they put on their tie is what I want to know. Turns out, and I'm sure this applies to me, but I, I Googled, it turns out a human being can run at 28 miles an hour. So what? We can outrun the hell out of a That's gorilla. That's not which human beings. Yeah. Uh, I still think I could outrun a gorilla. I mean, I'd be scared and I'd be pooping the entire time no. out of fear. You don't well, think you, you, couldn't, you couldn't outlast one is the thing. You would get tired before the gorilla did. They weigh like yes. 900 pounds. They're going to get tired. Pure muscle. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, have you ever seen a 900 pound person sprint after you? How far could Andre the Giant run? I Hang on, let me Google how far pounds. could Andre the Giant <laughs> Are podcaster muscles stronger than gorilla muscles? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Dunder writes in and says, Hey, uh, no question here, but more of a PSA on this Xbox-focused show. This is wild. I don't know if this is true. Please, somebody correct this. Um, Anyone interested in the Xbox ecosystem should check out Microsoft Rewards. It's one of the best rewards programs out there. Points are earned by making purchases, completing Game Pass quests, earning achievements, completing Bing searches on PC and mobile, and many more ways. Insert your Bing jokes here, but you can just make a bunch of quick random searches to get your max daily points, and they can be redeemed for Game Pass codes, Xbox Live, Microsoft gift cards, and restaurants, just to name a few. I've been banking points for years, and I'll be getting a Series X for free later this year. Um, 
my wife was a big uh, Windows phone user for a while. Yeah. And uh, she signed up for that program and, you know, used Bing like on desktops and stuff. (laughs) She was getting like $30 Amazon gift cards every month as a result. Really? Yeah. So it is a real thing. Wow. Okay. Microsoft rewards everybody. Get a free Series X today. <laughs> um, all right. Mr. Lopez writes in with a with a great one. He says, "Okay, Ben, I think I have a little game for you called Does It Have a Colon?" <laughs> all right. Here we go. Leo Vader, so remnant from the ashes. This isn't where. This is just if. Does it? Heck, I was looking at this game in my library two days ago. Did you note the colon? Yes, it has a colon. It does have a colon. Kyle, Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Uh, no colon on that one. I Correct. Rayman Legends, I Kyle? I reviewed that one. No colon. No colon in Rayman Legends either. Uh, but Origins, I think, might. I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, I'll keep with you, Kyle. Near Automata. I'm sorry. Just I'll take J.V. Boltney's best joke of all time. Near a tomato. As he called it. <laughs> and I believe it's... Uh, Wait, how did you say it? It's near Automata. Yeah, whatever. Uh, no colon in that one. There is a colon. There's I'm a sorry. Colon. Come um, on, Kyle. Let's go to the London one. Jeffum, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. No. Correct. No colon. Leo, Monster Hunter World. No colon. It does have a colon, but they moved it for Iceborne to Afterworld, which is very confusing. Kyle, Weird. Star Wars Battlefront. No colon. Correct. Jeffum. Dragon Age Inquisition. Colon. Colon. Way to go. Just, hey, we're getting really good at this colon, no we colon. Are. Where's the colon game? Uh, colons are kind of our thing. Um, we Matthew, know colons. We do a colon show every week. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Take Punish that clip. Me. Make that one of your video essays, Leo. We got it in the can <laughs> for next week. Uh, Matthew Weatherlay says, Good day, Ben Maxime. What is the most dangerous, green or red barrels? Also, as a follow-up, what is your favorite application of an explosive barrel in a video game? Green seem scarier. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, red... Yeah. yeah. Lasting damage. I mean, it's usually like a little poison them. cloud, right? Yeah, we don't know but how red, big it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, I it, mean, ha- but an explosion kills you most of the time, right? Well, I yeah. guess I don't... Yeah, well, Leo has the good, like, the lasting damage. You don't know how long that poison effect is going to last. You don't know what it's going to do to you. Yeah, but yeah. do you all have favorite exploding barrel stories? Yeah, the answer is just cause. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You know, another one, I, I, Explosion Man. It's good. Like, it, you integrate explosive barrels into your platforming so you can hit higher levels and stuff like that. Oh, so gotcha, yone. yeah. And, and uh, for all... I was, I was just going to quickly say, for everything that... Re- Resident Evil 5 gets criticized about it has some of the best explosive barrels in video games period because they explode the the intensity <laughs> of Resident Evil 5 explosive barrels is like unmatched it's insane I don't, I don't know how they did it's it an atomic bomb with every barrel pretty much yeah huh I think they even have a little mini mushroom cloud Hitman wow. has uh, explosive barrels that you have to puncture with a screwdriver and then shoot the oil that comes out of it to make them blow up which I think is better for my immersion yeah yeah that's important to us too uh matt robinson says hello ben and the cohort hello uh i have a game for you a lot of games this week wow hey we ain't complaining we're here at a game folks what's a colon (laughs) 
<laughs> Does it have? Where is it? What is it? Uh-huh. How is uh, it? When is it? Okay, below are five licensed songs featured in a video game. Your goal is to guess the game. All right, so buzz in when you think you know. Cindy Lopper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Buzz. Buzz. Metal Gear Solid 5? Incorrect. Get out of your buzz. It's actually not a bad guess. <laughs> Soft Cells, Tainted Love. Jeff. Jeff. GTA Vice City. Incorrect. Oh. REM, Shiny Happy Wait, People. Are you giving us the right answers here? Or? Is this all one what? game? Yeah, it's all from one game. Oh, it's all from one game? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, wait. Oh, no. C- yeah, no, I, I know it. But CCR's Fortunate Son. And the last one, Kyle, is the Beach Boys' God Only Knows. Oh, Bioshock Infinite. There we go. None of you gun jumpers out there. That's right. Slow and steady, Kyle. I didn't know there were going to be multiple songs. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was one song from each thing. That's why I was confused. I should have gotten it because that version of Girls Just Want to Have Fun is really good. I listen to that every once in a while. I seriously do as well. I remember being so into it after I played that game and going home over like the holidays and like playing over the speakers for my family. I said, listen to this. Said, this is you lame. know that new sound no, you've been looking for? Family? An old sound you don't want anymore? <laughs> From a racist floating city? Um, okay, here we go. Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. Frank Sinatra's That's Life. Uh, Leo? Leo. Tony X Underground 2? Wow! Whoa. <laughs> Doug 2. That's Holy cow, amazing, what's the rest of the Leo? list there? God, yeah, and The Doors break on through The Stooges 1970 and The Ramones Rock and Roll High School. Hell of a soundtrack for Thug 2. Yeah, it's good, a good soundtrack. Game. Ring of Fire Weird. was like big in the promotion of it, so I was pretty sure. And then the second song locked it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you felt good about yourself? Right now? Yeah. Beaming. <laughs> uh, Butthole Surfers, Pepper. Kanye West, Power. Kyle. Kyle. Saints Row the Third. Way to go. Killing nice. it. Uh, the rest of you would have gotten it with Mozart's Serenade number 13 in G Allegro from Saints Row 3. Right. But that, that game also has a Between the Buried and Me song in it, which is very exciting for me because that's a good band that I like. Hey, there we go. Um, also, Tim and Eric's Sports Sports is in Saints Row 3. <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, all right. Motorhead, Back to the Funny Farm. Motley Crue. Kickstart my heart. Very appropriate for the studio. Firehouse, overnight sensation. KMFDM, rip the system. Is it okay, Kyle? Kyle. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Incorrect. Sanctuary, bottle angels. Jeff. Jeff. Rock band. Incorrect. Is he close? But are you sure that all those songs aren't on there? <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Leo, Prove think, me wrong. That's a good think point, Jeff. specifically of like Motley Crue and Motorhead. Would that be Brutal Legend? It is Brutal Legend. Way uh, to go. Also, I thought maybe it was going to be Tony Hawk 4 because uh, I think some of those songs are in there too. Anyway, okay. That's good. Also, fun fact uh, for everybody listening, um, I've been reading these backwards. He ordered them in a certain way, but ranked them in a different way. This is very complicated. Okay, here we go. I mean, this is a giveaway. I can't do this. Okay. DJ Shadows, I Got a Rock. Foster the People's Houdini. Skrillex, Scatter. 
The Hives, 1,000 Answers, and Run DMC, it's tricky. Uh, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. SSX tricky. Way to go. Way to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's one. Final one. Aerosmith's Eat the Rich. Aerosmith's Toys Leo. in the Attic. Leo. Uh, Guitar Hero Aerosmith? Incorrect. Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> Revolution X. Revolution X! Oh, nice. <laughs> Way to go, man. Killing it. <laughs> uh, what do y'all like for question of the week? I only don't want to give it to that one because it was the last one, but that's such a fun idea for a game. It is very fun. Also, I like the just the name of the characters. I, I like wrote that, that one down as one I liked just because, yeah, I, I actually like that one. The character names. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Uh, I, I like, like the where is the colon game. <laughs> Look, no one's denying the where's the colon game. It's killing it. Um, but I like giving it to the name game here. Sure. Let's do it. Great. Jacob Schmidt, congratulations. You're going to get a vinyl soundtrack for Battletoads from I Am 8-Bit. Thank you so much for everybody that supports us on Patreon at patreon.com. And submits a great comment or question for us every single week. Um, and now it's time for something called Get a Load of This. Oh, Leo. Oh, Leo, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, my get a load of this. First off, hey, get a load of this. Yeah. Thank you. It's a 30-second clip on YouTube. It is called Twitch streamer Carl Reimer shot his desk with a gun. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's a, a gentleman cocking a gun on stream. He seems to be inebriated. He oh, says, no. you say I ain't got money, and he cocks his gun intimidatingly. And he accidentally blasts his <laughs> bottle of G Fuel powder. <laughs> it explodes <laughs> on his desk. It's a really good clip. And I think he's not allowed on Twitch anymore. Oh, cool. Hey, way to go. The world turns. Uh, yeah. Jeff, what mm-hmm. do you got? Uh, get a load of this. Uh, this is a Twitter recommendation, a Twitter account to follow. It's called Archelect. Um, and it is it is one of those fancy AI machines that apparently its reason for living is to just find interesting imagery and like interesting photos, whatever it deems as visually striking. Uh, and it will you should add it to your feed because when I went to find a get a load of this, it was you know the endless feed of misery of the real world. Yeah. But now I have nice interesting pictures sprinkled through, which makes it a little easier to swallow. And is it like funny, weird? Um... It's it's a lot of photos, but also but also other like you know three D images and stuff like that. A lot of mm. architecture and stuff. But it's they're not only interesting pictures, but it's also interesting to see what an AI is kind of trying to pick out and figure out what is visually striking to human beings. Because if I've learned so. anything from Pokemon Snap, it's that an AI can't judge uh, photos very well for true, true art. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, as just a reminder, all these links are in the description of either the podcast you're listening to this or on YouTube, wherever you're getting this. You can find the links for this stuff below. Uh, Kyle? Hey, uh, get a load of this. I streamed Mega Man X recently, randomly. Um, and then someone on Twitter at PIF Games sent me this YouTube video from this YouTube channel called Terminal Montage. It's a popular YouTube channel. This video has like three million views. They release animated videos every now and then, but they happen to release one specifically about Mega Man X. And the reason I it's it's very funny. It's very like crazy and 
like yeah. hectic and funny but like the thing that I the reason I like it so much and the reason I've like watched it over and over is because like I feel like it really they've somehow managed to capture in this insane short animated film like the the what it feels like to play Mega Man X like like in the sense that like you start kind of slow and then when you get the first capsule to speed up your legs so you can start dashing how that just changes the game dramatically and how like if you play it enough like maybe when you were young when I played it I didn't really grab onto the music until much later and it kind of has a sequence that represents where you're like oh wait a second I've never really paid attention to the music this is so amazing and I just I don't know I've watched it a bunch of times it's really funny and silly and it actually shows the whole course of Mega Man X it like imagines yeah. a speed run of Mega Man X it's super fun I, I, I really enjoyed it what's the name of the channel again the the channel is called Terminal Montage and they have they do a whole series of uh, animations like this just yeah, based on so, various videos and stuff. Yeah, best friend Ronnie uh, showed me this last week. Uh, he's obsessed with it. Yeah, it's just this oh, awesome okay, yeah. animation and it's all well, the stuff that we saw and that seems like the most popular thing. His bag is like animating speedruns as if they actually happened. Like yes, and did you watch the Breath runs, of the Wild one? Yeah, it is yeah. amazing. It's so funny. Yeah. And like the Super Mario World one, Jeff, you should check out. It's such an interesting idea for animations, but yeah. Like, just just a, a quick example for the Breath of the Wild one. Like, you know, there's the the old man who turns out to be the king who, like, you interact with on the, the plateau in the beginning. Yeah. It's sort of, you see it, someone doing a speed run from his point of view where he's like, what is this guy, how is he here so quickly? And he's just like, you know, using tricks to like pounce Link from one end of the map to the other and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's very funny. It's a great channel. The Mega Man X one in particular, I really like, but they're, they're all quite good. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, mine is uh, the complete opposite. It's a New York Times article from last week. Um, and it's one of those things that's just, as I'm reading it, it's like, well, this is the best thing I could possibly be absorbing into my brain right now, which is... Uh, another New York Times article about the existence of UFOs and the history of the government and UFOs. Lots of quotes from everybody. Uh, Harry Reid, the former uh, senator from Nevada, he's just right on Front Street talking about like, yeah, there's a ton of reports. Some are more detailed than others, but it's all just reports about stuff that we've recovered from crash sites that we don't fully understand. Uh, and in terms of, yeah, the government has been sharing the details of what they've recovered from these crash sites with different government agencies and then also with uh, people from the private sector, which is the part that blows my mind. Like, who are they bringing? Is like, are they bringing Elon Musk in just to say, hey, look at this UFO material. Can you make any sense out of this? But here's an actual quote from this New York Times article. Mr. Davis, who now works for Aerospace Corporation, a defense contractor, said he gave a classified briefing to a defense department agency as recently as March about retrievals from, quote, off-world vehicles not made on this earth. <laughs> well, like, that could mean anything. Great. <laughs> you cannot get more clear than this. Like, this guy is giving briefings on alien tech or some otherworldly tech in some way. It is right there, and we aren't focusing enough on how cool this is. Yeah, agreed. Please, give Damn. us more of these articles, everybody. Just devote like 10% of all newsrooms across the country and the world, really, to get into the bottom of UFOs. It's, it's all I ask, please. Make um, them IFOs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, one took, uh, that one stuck up on me. <laughs> do we have a community get a load of this, Jeff? Yeah, we do. Hey, get a load of this. Uh, this is from Nick, Agent Perk, in the Get a Load of This channel. Uh, it's a website called Window Swap which is window-swap.com. Uh, and basically what you do when you go there is you'll just click on the swap button or whatever, and it will show you a live stream video 
of someone who is basically just filming out their window. And so it will be a video of oh someone my God. somewhere in the world. It will tell you where in the world it is. Uh, and then you'll just get a, a view of that person's window. And it like nine out of 10 times, it's just like this beautiful landscape, you know, off in Switzerland or somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then you can, of course, like set up your own camera and agree to do that for someone else. And you can just kind of click through and go to Germany and China and everywhere What if your else? window just that. like overlooks an apartment and just looks into somebody else's apartment? Hey. It's all good, man. Oh, okay. That's apparently. window swap, baby. That's window swap, baby. Uh, woo! Thank you so much for uh, listening or watching to this watching to this episode of the Min Max Show. The we watching. appreciate it. Be sure to let us know in the comments if you watched it or listened to it. We'll take either. We take all kinds. If you like the show, please help tell a friend. Definitely check out uh, Leo's YouTube uh, video essay appearing on Friday called Watch Later, and it's about uh, Hitman 2, Leo, of all things. Yeah, my life as a barber. There we go. Please check that out and share it if you enjoyed as well. And thank you to our $50 supporters. If you want your name to be read uh, next month, throughout the entire month, and every episode of the Max Show, you can support us at that tier. We'd appreciate it. So thanks to I'm8Bit, The Bam Box, Beaten Down Brian, Zachary Pliggy, Rebecca Lang, Mirko Rico Torreno, Brian with a Y, Joar Hello, Mark Seliga, Andrew Valla, Jesse Vitelli, Ian T. Clark, JT Fells, Andrew Sanford, Ludwig Roque, Matthew Paxton, Steve Bamdead, Time Mom Tom, Josh Elliott, Yarrow, Tyler Carver, Captain Stubbs One, Michael Jakes, and Midnight Satire. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Okay, then. All right. Toys down. Children, toys down. Kyle, do you do that? Um, do you have a song for like picking up your toys? Like the clean up, clean up, the whole thing? No, it's mostly just me going, please, can you please clean up? No. Right, see if to yourself <laughs> in the mirror. <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. If you sang a song, she would just be right on it, I bet. Up to age 14. <laughs> Why are you Where does that cleanup song, song come from? That? What's that? I said, why isn't there a new pop song about cleaning up? I think that would be good to have out there. <laughs> Honestly, it's a really hey. good idea. You got a corner of market. Good video essay idea. I'll write it down. Like instead of like stadium rock anthems, cleaning up anthems. Absolutely, <laughs> man. That's what you close the concert with, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's, yeah, encore when it's just the janitor. Everybody takes up the trash. <laughs>